stiff arms of crap out of Draco's match right there. Fighting through contact, fighting through offensive line, being a double team, multiple moves stacked into one, just a play of pure domination. This is actual film, this is actual football talk. It's a football show, we're supposed to football, not storylines. And hello, you are listening to the 12th, I think, edition of uh, Blue It's Blitz. I'm really never sure what episode it is until I pull up my uh, little notes. But we today we have Kyle Smith on. Uh, like I said, we're going to be doing a mailbag. We have about 20-ish questions. We're going to recap some of the Jets offseason and Kyle's thoughts on them. If you don't know uh, his face, it's it's kind of his fault. He, he ditched podcasting, but he's a really super knowledgeable um, fan of the Jets, um, good friend of mine. And uh, Kyle, what's up? It's been probably about 10 months-ish since you've podcasted. So how you doing? Was it 10 months? Um, that we always, about right. It was about June, I think, when we did the top 25 players on the Jets. Which we are doing again this year. I, I always love doing that show. It's always a fun discussion. But uh, okay. how's everything and going? We, and then we did Leo and Jordan Jenkins like a month after that or whatever. So maybe it's not – maybe it's been nine months. Oh, okay. I'm doing pretty, doing pretty good, uh, all things considered. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a pretty hard time for most people. Um, you know, thankfully, both my wife and myself um, can do work from home. Um, you know, being a teacher, I'm still kind of able to. I mean, it's not the same as being in the classroom, but you know, it's not like um, it's not like I have to file for, un- for unemployment or anything like that, like so many people do. And those yeah. of you that, that are going through that, I, I, I feel for you as much as I can. I know that's that's really really tough. So, I mean, all things considered, um, it's pretty good. Um, it's tough hearing about people who you know or people who you know who have loved ones who have passed away from this. I mean, it's it's definitely tough. But um, definitely looking forward to more exciting, you know, positive things. Hopefully there's a lot of positive news coming with uh, this Jets draft. Hopefully they do justice. And hopefully they can hit on some mid to later round picks for a change. What does that mean? I don't know what that means, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, every year, man, we just did fourth and fifth rounds, just these garbage picks, and we always pick these older players, Dylan Donahue's and whatever, Ardarius Stewart as a third-round pick. Chad Hansen, the new Eric Decker, because he's he's white and can run decent routes. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, right. But um, the housekeeping, as usual, uh, Joe RB31, I put up all my reviews. Uh, let I, I – put up my big board there i said i was gonna do it i don't know if i did it last show but big board for my me personally uh wills one judy two lamb three worse four i had a question about that if you don't mind me interjecting already oh no go ahead right in the middle of my listing kyle (laughs) pull it up on the screen why don't you let me shoot oh okay so i I was reading that the other day and i was kind of shocked because it made it seem to me like you would choose one of the tackles first if one of the top four tackles considering that any of them are there when i read this i'm saying okay so if you know everybody but wills is on the board for the jets you're taking judy you're gonna take no or worse because that's how i understood it from reading that no this is this is me personally if if this is more okay all things being equal you have, you know, you don't have a need at tackle. You don't have a need at receiver, let's say, and you're just taking the beat, the best player available. So this is just my best player. That's why I have the Jets list, who I think is the best for the Jets, and what I would do if I was, if I were the Jets list on the side right here. Okay, because when I said when I saw Jets, I thought that meant what you think the Jets' big board is based on what you know about their scheme and whatever you're reading and stuff. That's how I understood. It. I mean, maybe I. 
this is where you, this is where you get into all of my uh, you can see all my notes that I have on my computer now. People can't really usually see. Look at all these notes from <laughs> that's receiver stuff. Oh man, so um, fun. But yeah, that's 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 my board. Um, I just I just pulled it up right there, but it doesn't really. I think I I think I talked about it last year anyway. Um, it should be fun. The draft. Uh, I I. It was funny because I finished all the draft stuff and the fiance was like, oh, you know, does that mean you're done for a couple of days? Two day, a day after I finished, I did 20, I think it was 21 games combined of Van Roten, Desir, um, and uh, Peanut, Patrick Udnuwasar, whatever the hell his name is. Um, so it never ends, but I got all that done so I can get that out to the, fan, you know, the listeners of the show, the viewers of this show um, after the draft. Because after the draft, I'm having another seven, eight, seven, eight guys to do. Um, but as per usual, uh, you, by the way, you should hype the people up a little bit too, because you got your hands on some all 22 films. So you're going to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, uh, whoever the judge draft, I should be able to watch them all 22, which I got from Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, at least some of, hopefully it matches up with whoever we get that I have the all 22, but trust me, I I was going, let's say they take Worfs, for example, you're going to be able to find a couple games with Worfs, or if Mm -hmm. they draft Wills, you're going to be able to get a couple games of Wills because I I checked to see if, if you could find some of that. Cause like there's LSU versus Alabama. So anyway. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle knows it's a, it's a little bit difficult to watch these players on broadcast. So all 22 for a guy who likes to break down film is, is a very big uh, uh, surprise for me, but that should be that should be fun once the dredge draft whoever they're gonna draft. But um, as per usual, subscribe on YouTube, like the videos, uh, podcast reviews. Um, we have T-shirts now. We have like a Blue Splits T-shirt. We have a, a Cool Your Jets T-shirt. We have a President Mall uh, Sam Donald presidential campaign type T-shirt. We have a Jets X Factor T-shirt. We have a Joe Douglas T-shirt. Um, once we get to fifty, I'm going to. Uh, select a random person for a free subscription, a hundred. I'll give away eh, two t-shirts. We'll do two t-shirts to two random people who have done reviews before. Um, so just keep throwing those. And, and obviously not, it's not even for that stuff really. It's not, Oh my God, I want a t-shirt so bad, but it helps me a lot more than people realize. Uh, the, the, the subscriptions, the, um, you know, the likes, the, the shares of it to their friends, whatever it may be. The ratings on podcasts is huge. So, uh, please do that. Draft is in three days. Uh, I just headed to Kyle. I think it's what, if I can do my math correctly, 46, 70, we have about 74 hours. No, 70, 73 hours and one minute from right now is the NFL drafts that we're recording this. So um, but like I said, today we're going to do off-season uh, roundup type deal, at least so far. And then we're going to do a mailbag. So Kyle, uh, unless you have anything else to say, let's get into the, uh, to the mailbag. Yeah, let's which, do it. Or not the mailbag, sorry, the, the offseason. Um, and we're just going to start kind of like I did with Marcus Coleman. We're just going to start from the offense uh, and the offensive line at first. What are your thoughts so far on the offensive line, what the Jets have done there? Obviously not bringing back Beecham, bringing, bringing in Fan, bringing in Van Roten, bringing in McGovern, bringing in Adoga. You know, we could go you know, section by section. I don't have to do that all at one time. But overall, what are your thoughts on uh, the offensive line? I mean, it's hard to be super optimistic about it. I mean, I, I can hold a little bit of optimism. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, they added a couple stopgap guys and whatever. And uh, McGovern, I think, is a, a, a piece that you can really work with, and he'll probably be here for the, the duration of his contract. Um, you know, would we re-sign guys like Van Roten? Is, uh, is Fant going to make it to the second and third years of his deal? I don't know. I, I haven't really watched much Fant film, and I'm waiting for you to break him down. Same thing with Van Roten. I did watch your McGovern breakdown. Um, 
what I read about Fant is, and this seems like a logical reason why they'd sign him, is, yeah, he's super athletic and people have seen the basketball highlights and stuff, is if you look at Adam Gase, look at, take, for example, him in Miami when Jay Ujayi rushed for 1,400 yards or whatever it was, 1,300 yards. Great season, his only really good season in the NFL. It's constant outside zone from Adam Gase, constant outside zone. And Fant being that he's really athletic, you want a guy who can move out in space. So even though I heard his, his pass protection is, uh, is very shoddy at times, it seems like that's probably a big reason why they signed him. And, and the Jets, even more so than the, the passing game, pass protection, the running game was absolute dog shit last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, what he, his, his biggest rushing game was, what, 87 yards? Right against the Ravens, uh, something it? like something like that. I think it was either the the Ravens or like the Patriots, where he had like 70, 80 yards, and it was like a huge game for him. I think it was the Ravens, and I mean, and even worse, three point whatever one yards per carry, which was like lowest in the league for guys who rushed X amount of times. I mean, literally, like you put on. I I know people are trying to clown Le'Veon Bell. Oh, he signed with the Jets, and like you know, he, he shouldn't have took off a year because now he's washed up. No, the dude is not washed up. He's still a really, really good player. Yep. The dude had nowhere to run. Nowhere. When there was a little bit of a hole, he would hit it. He would hit it. He would bend around. He would break tackles. I mean, there were a couple things that, you know, like he would drop a ball here or there. But, I mean, like this offensive line for years has been terrible. I don't think over the last three years there's been a – if you combine – three years mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a worse offensive line in the league and I can't say that I watched all of them super closely or whatever but just watching how bad the Jets have been over that duration I, I I can't think of there could possibly be one I mean they don't have even an average starter at any five of the positions on the offensive line now with McGovern hopefully you got an above average guy yeah I, what I do like is that they kind of took in a sense the Bills approach where the Bills kind of like Mitch Morse was a big signing for them this past offseason. I mean, he signed a, you know, he's getting like 11 million something a year as a center. Um, uh, but they got, they, they signed several people. And with offensive line, you always get banged up. I mean, you're banging into the 300 pound guys all the time. You're yeah. falling over people. You're, you have mm -hmm. people stepping on your legs and stuff. You have running backs falling on the back of your leg and potentially breaking your leg. Offensive linemen get injured all the time. So it's good to have depth at the offensive line. Because if your backup is, you know, atrocious, a train wreck, it's going to wreck your team. So I like that they, they brought in several people. But, I mean, at this point, if they don't land a tackle, and you know, at pick 11, I'm, I'm not very optimistic because, you know, and I know we're kind of trending into other topics. Sam Donald, I do not want to wreck the kid, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why the people who are saying, you know, they much rather have a receiver at 11, I don't get it. Because listen, the, the receivers could be great, but if you don't have three seconds to throw the ball, you're screwed. Um, and you said with the offensive line, and um, you know, just based on the stats, which I don't like going on stats, Sam Donald had the the, the uh, least amount of time to throw the ball in the NFL from snap to to getting contacted, and Le'Veon Bell had the uh, basically the smallest holes to run through. He got contact behind the line of scrimmage, and. That could be a little bit, obviously, of his running style. And that was one of my concerns when we signed him. I was saying, you know, I think I said on play like a judge, I'm not sure if I said it here, but his running style behind a bad offensive line wouldn't really work because he needs to really, you know, bang the holes when they're open. And uh, he's not that type of running back. So it was it was a little bit concerning. But Le'Veon Bell is still a good player. Uh, in terms of, like, the bodies thing, I agree with that because 
you're looking at the offensive line, especially Van Roden has added an injury history. Brian Winters, injury history. Alex Lewis, injury history. So they're bringing in a bunch of bodies now with Fant and Adoga. Like you said, if they don't get a tackle 11, having those two guys as your lockdown starters, as your left and right side, is a concern. Um, but if they bring in, you know, Wills, we're expecting whoever it is, and then that, that guy starts at either left tackle or right tackle, and then you have Fant and Adoga, you know, uh, competing for a job, I feel much better about that. So the offensive line might have went from like 32nd in the league right now, uh, last year to maybe 25. <laughs> like maybe it's a little bit step up because Beecham, in my opinion. I mean, a lot of – Oh, go, go ahead. No, sorry. Go. I mean, maybe, yeah, considering who – if they draft someone there and hopefully yeah. hopefully they draft several linemen hopefully it's not just a guy at 11 and then you know hopefully we can get a guy in the second i heard it's not a really very interior uh, good very good offensive line class on the especially when talking about the interior so yeah there's some know. guys like, like you and like i said i'm not gonna give you know many strong opinions on guys i don't really know because i think that's same, same, I, think same, it's, same. I think it's irresponsible to do that um because i don't agree with a lot of big the big names and their their opinions on players on social media so why should i agree with their opinion on a breakdown of a player whatever if they're even breaking down that player that's a story for a different day um so i heard there's some interior guys you know tyler beadies whatever uh but he has injury problems there's a tackle from whatever school he's from matthew pert who's moving to guard so i, I but i agree with you in the first four or five rounds i want tackle at, i want tackle at 11 and then in the first five rounds, I want an interior guy. Hopefully in the top four rounds, I want another interior guy who can compete with all the other guys they have because they need bodies. Uh, offensive line is the second most important thing on the offense minus the the quarterback. So Sam Darnold needs time to throw the ball. And he has some like weapons. It's, it's like the, the, the Jets don't have no weapons. Let's just say that. Like they have, listen, if they seem well, if they have, a, if they have protection, you have Bell. You know, you have Herndon who you can, you can, you think he can, or you hope he could stay healthy. You have Crowder who's a good route runner. I think if you did watch the Perryman um, review, if you haven't, go back and watch that. He's not—he's not a scrub at this point. So no, he's not. He's not a scrub for sure. So you add some talent. And I'm not saying to not draft wide receivers. I'm expecting two wide receivers, hopefully in those first four rounds. Either like, it, listen, if the Jets have their 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 first five picks in the top four rounds, be offensive line receiver, receiver in you know interior offensive line receiver. Like I don't care. Like they need it. So. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting with the offensive line, but yeah, it's, you know, Conklin, would you like to sign him? Sure. You know, I didn't want to pay him that 16, 17 million dollars. I thought he was going to get, but for what he got, I think he's worth it. Um, Glasgow, you'd like to see him sign and maybe even because, you know, other than Fant, you'd like to see even maybe beach him instead of him. But I, I think they took a step in the right direct, a little bit in the right direction, because I think you kind of replaced, and this is not obviously direct replacement because they didn't play they don't play the same position but I, I think the difference in play between a guy like Khalil or Jonathan Harrison to McGovern is going to be greater than it's going to be from from Fant or Doga to Beecham because I thought Beecham is a below average tackle so I think they took a step in a, in a slightly right direction adding more bodies and things like that but it's still I would say a bottom 10 unit so yeah yeah and you know, just thinking about Bell and the offensive line, like one thing that popped in my mind when, we were, when you were just talking right now is uh, if you noticed how he changed his running style, like you were talking about how he's not going to really be a good fit in this with this Jets offensive line because they're so bad because he yeah. does wait for a hole to pop open. And with, mm -hmm. with Pittsburgh, they had such a good line that eventually holes did open. But when there's no hole that ever opens, if you're just staying back there, you know, not totally flat-footed or whatever, but, you know, semi-flat-footed kind of waiting, not having momentum, so to speak. Yeah. It's not conducive to, you know, positive rushing gains or whatever. But uh, 
yeah, towards the end of the season, he wasn't – he changed his running style. He wasn't being super patient anymore because he knew, he realized nothing's going to open. I, I, I've been running behind these guys for a while now. I don't know if you agree with me, but that's what I saw. No, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, the end of the season, as you know, I took a little bit of a hiatus, so I was, I was not watching as closely. But I know I agree when a hole is open, he was trying to just put his head down and, and run through that hole as quick as he could, um, you know, just to get those two, three yards, whatever it may be. But they have, they have some talent. Like, it's not like the thing, I think the misconception about the Jets, and this is not being me being a homer, it's like me legitimately, obviously I watch a lot of film, is – with a healthy team last year, I, I think it's not a it's not a playoff team, but maybe they win eight nine games. You know, if you had a Mosley, if you had Williamson, um, if you had Herndon, just those three guys, I think could be a, a different team. So because they're, big, you beat they're the, all big, could pieces. you beat the Browns? Could you beat the Browns week two if you have? You could Donald. beat the Browns. You know, the the Eagles game, the Eagles weren't impressive to me at all when they played them. You know, there's games. Oh my they, god, they could Falk, have won. Is, Falk was so the Bills bad, game, dude. just the Bills game. You know, and 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 that's the problem. And I know you're gonna agree with me on this. I I know we both have issues with Adam Gase, but oh my god, he's and, and listen, he has disappointed. But to think he could do anything with Luke Falk, who should be on a practice squad, if a practice squad, with the worst offensive line in the league, is, yeah. is laughable. It's laughable. Yeah. It, because, you, can't, you can't do it. Because Luke's, Luke Falk's biggest problem, I mean, at his junior year or whatever, people were saying he could be like a second-round pick or whatever. But one of the biggest reasons why he, he ultimately slid to the fifth or sixth round whenever he was drafted is because a lot of people criticized him for this dude just withers in the pocket. When he has pressure – the dude, he can't perform. And with that bad offensive line, he was constantly under pressure. And, you know, he'd either just take the sack, put his head down, or, you know, he would just throw to the check down when, you know, there could be a bigger gain out there. And there's seven, I mean, eight guys in the box every play. Yeah. Give kudos to Donald a little bit um, because notice how much better the Jets played as an offensive unit when it mm-hmm. was Donald versus Simeon or Falk because Donald is I, I mean and when I was watching I can't remember what game it was it was Archuleta Adam Archuleta who was doing the color commentating for Fox or whatever it was and he did he did the Jets for back-to-back weeks and both times he said Sam Donald withers under pressure now I watched a lot of Donald's college film that's not something I saw at all and even reading from respected scouts like Jeremiah and stuff that was not a knock, knock on Donald either. This is the first guy I ever heard him yeah. say that. One of Don, Donald's positive attributes is he can throw from muddy pockets. And this He's almost is, better at it. This is what's pissing me off, though, about Donald. And it's not – it's actually – it's a little bit Donald, and it's also, but it's more so what we've done, what mostly Mike McCagnin's fault did to put this guy in a, in a terrible position is – Donald's been relying on that too much. I mean, some, like, I, I feel like to a certain extent, it, when you get hit all the time, it's natural that a quarterback is going to start to feel the pressure more and it's going to affect the way that he plays. That'll even happen to Tom Brady, even though Brady is so good in the pocket. But Donald's Yeah, watch him play you, the, the Broncos. Well, that's 2015 he started doing that, you know? Oh, yeah. He, hit, he got hit. Brady got hit like 20-something times in that game. Yeah. AFC championship game. Yeah, that was a great, uh, great game. Anyway, um, that's a great game. <laughs> but yeah, but even Brady, like late in the game, like he, he, it did affect him, but he was still throwing dimes late in the game. Anyway, what I'm saying is sometimes Donald would rely on his ability to throw in a muddy pocket and he's not stepping into his throws, even though he can sometimes. And mm-hmm. even though he can do it, and that's, that is a special trait that he has. That's one of the reasons why people think he can't. That's one of the reasons why you think he can be a great quarterback. But it's still – it's not ideal for throwing the football. You will have 
inaccurate throws from time to time when you don't have yeah. proper mechanics. So sometimes he would let balls get away from him for that reason. Like I was watching, I think it was the Jaguars game. It was, a, I think it was Robbie Anderson ran a simple out route. Donald did not step into the throw and he hangs the ball inside and it gets picked off. There's no way that ball should have been picked off. Robbie had the corner beat. If the ball's thrown good, it's not getting picked off. Anyway, um, but I mean, listen, the kid's under pressure all the time. You can imagine why he's not stepping in, into his throws. But because he can at least throw like that sometimes, he was worlds better than those other quarterbacks. Yeah, um, for Simeon sure. And, and fall. For sure. And that's another thing, like, and I don't want to, I don't really want you to comment on it, but people say, oh, well, they didn't, and during the season, hopefully they could, maybe they could have brought in a different guy, but oh, they didn't bring up a backup quarterback last year. Trevor Simeon, I thought, was a pretty good backup option. He got hurt, you know? So it's not like it, people yeah. trash McCag or uh, Douglas for that, but it is what it is. Um, in terms of the line, and I, I think people overall, if they do watch this show, I, I think you're going to be a little bit more encouraged with Fant than you're hearing from other people. I'm not saying he's a, he's a decent starter or anything like that, but his, I, I'm going to tell you, the, the first 20 plays I'm going to put up of his film is going to be gross. It's ugly. It's really ugly. But the step he made from 2018 late in the season to midseason 2019 to the playoffs end of the season and in 2019 was truly impressive. So if he can build on that, um, it's it's obviously you know going to work out or decently for the Jets. And now maybe they give him a little bit too big of a contract, but um, <clears throat> I think that Douglas is kind of like hedging his bets for okay if we don't get a tackle, we need somebody. Um, you know what thought just came into my mind and I never thought about it previously. Mm -hmm. Jason Peters was drafted as a, he wasn't drafted. He was undrafted as a tight end. Right now, Jason Peters, he, he spent his first four years with the bills or whatever. I mean, it wasn't really a great starter or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He was, he was pretty good. Went to the Eagles and Peters is like 38, 39. Now he's had his best years as an older player, right? Peters was extremely athletic again, tight end Fant really athletic, right? He was a basketball player. Douglas was in Philly with Jason Peters. I don't know. Maybe he sees a little bit of that in him. Like, you know, a little older player, but, you know, not been playing the position. I think he's, 20, I think he's 29. So Fant, I th he, he was 28 when the Jets signed him. So I don't know. I okay. mean, so I'm, that's not old or anything like that. But I'm, I, I guess he really is seeing that upside, though. Like, hey, listen, I've seen it happen before. A guy's dedicated mm -hmm. to his crowd. I mean, you're seeing some traits on film. Some guys just For have sure. things you, you can't teach to whatever. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully it works out for the Jets, though. You know, I know you hate pro football focus grading, and as do I. I think they're especially bad when it comes to offensive line grading. Um, you know, I was I was just just for, you know, craps and giggles, I was looking at player grades, and they actually had Brandon Shell rated higher than George Fant. No. I mean, I'm serious. They did. Nah. Yeah, I don't. I don't care I, I, about football. So I don't care. I, I about know. Them. I I know <laughs> that. No, I'm not. That, this is not me criticizing George Fant. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. Saying, let the tape really dictate versus mm -hmm. whatever analytics you read. Because yeah, that's yeah. A bit, that's a big reason why people are clowning the Fant, clowning the Fant signing because they quickly Googled what the Pro Football Focus grade George Fant was. PFF. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and like I said, you'll, you'll, you'll see. And especially for more of a zone scheme, like you said, um, Pollock is more of a zone coach. Gase likes to run more zone. He'll definitely be a fit. Like if he was in a power scheme, I'd definitely be more concerned, but he has a lot of traits. And I think, I think his senior year of college, he played tight end or something, something like that. I, I know he's, he's, rel he's relatively new to the position. He's only been playing tackle for like four or five years in football which is ridiculous like that's not a lot of time at all to be in the nfl and he's he has athleticism 
He's been a backup. He comes in on, on heavy sets. And again, I'll, I'll trash guys who I don't think are good. I, I think the peanut signing, I think he's okay, but he should not be a starter. He's not good. I watched this film. He's not good. Um, the Desir signing, I, I think he's okay, but he's like Morris Claiborne 2017 type vibes to me. Like he's not very good either. George Fant, I think is better than people think he is. That, that's just my opinion. So, and I'll show that, but um, moving on to wide receiver, uh, Perryman, what do you think about Perryman signing and, and Robbie Anderson going? Uh, in my opinion, which you watched the show, I thought they should have paid Robbie Anderson for what he got. Uh, Perryman made it sting a little bit less. I would still rather have Robbie over Perryman. Um, and that was kind of a, but, but this is, this is my thing. People think it's Madden. Okay. Well, if the Panthers offered, let's just say it was 10 million, uh, 12 million the first year, but, but two years, 10 million. Oh, the Jets offered 11. They would have had him. Who says that? What, what if the Jets were offering him $12 million, but he wanted to go play for his old head coach and Matt Rule? What if he wanted to leave the Jets? Like, there's a bunch of things that go into that. It's not as simple as Madden. So we don't know what happened behind the scenes. I don't like that Robbie Anderson left, but um, I think Perryman's a little bit underrated too. Yeah, so I'll first touch on Robbie and then Perryman. Um, first of all, first thought that pops to my mind is Robbie might think that this is a great pairing for him because he's with his old college coach. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. I, actually, I don't think it's good for him because – I, and I really like Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater has a bad deep ball. I'm not even saying not good. It's bad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a good deep ball. That's Robbie's game is the deep ball. This is not a good career move for Robbie Anderson in my mind. Robbie took the two-year deal thinking, oh, I, I, you know, when I'm 28, I'll get a bigger payday. I don't think he's going to have the stats to get the payday he's hoping for. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was a great move for Robbie. But, yeah, who knows what the Jets offered behind the scenes? Who really knows? Um, there's reports and people take reports as gold. And by the way, just because, and sorry, I know you're into Perriman, but with Fant too, I didn't mention it. He said 28 years old, 28 years old for a tackle who hasn't been playing in football for a while is really not that old. You're just talking about Jason Peters. who's 38. Who's still, I would say a top 15 tackle, top 10 yeah, tackle. In definitely, the league. definitely. So it's not like he's a corner. You're saying at 28 years old, he could still progress in my opinion. So, but continue. Yeah. So, um, and then going to Perryman. And by the way, I don't know if this was by design. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but going through your YouTube channel, um, the only film review that is public to everyone, you know, without the paywall is the pyramid. The whole thing is there. So I don't know if you guys did that on purpose or whatever, but anyone yeah. who wants to watch, like, there's a lot of pyramid plays on there. You did, it, did it on, did it on purpose. <laughs> okay. You went through a lot of pyramid plays. And when I, when I came out, I was, uh, I was optimistic. Um, one of the biggest things why, um, that people were clowning pyramid for, I heard, Mel Kuyper, the night that he was drafted, say, oh, his father, Brett Perriman, was more of a reliable receiver. He had more sure hands. This kid needs to work on, you know, his concentration drops or whatever. And you would, if you put on Perriman's college tape, he, he had a lot of concentration drops, a lot of drop balls. But I thought he had relatively strong hands when I watched your review. Do you agree with me? For sure. Yeah, his, his hands, his athletic ability, his size of like 6'1", 6'2", 215, plus his 40 time, which he still shows – is all those traits are all there really strong hands will box you out you know all that stuff is there it's the route running that needs work and and him avoiding injuries but overall i i was impressed i think that marcus agreed with me with a lot of what i was saying we didn't really disagree with a lot of things um so but then you hear fans on these big websites i'm not gonna call any websites you know maybe i should oh well he's just another scrub oh he's a he's a camp body oh he's gonna get cut that's not true watch the, the film does not lie and I, and I like all the top talk show hot topic type stuff but fan, film never lies the fan films and approved to you some things even though van roten you know uh Adogel was better than people think he was last year as a right tackle not as a left tackle um but the thing 
with um, and I, I don't even know where I was going with with that. But uh, still talking about Perriman getting better, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, he, he he could still he could still get better. I, I don't know where That's I was. I, I was he, in a transition he, to something with the offensive line, but what what I'm saying about Perriman though, as far as I can see, he's on a constant trajectory up. He's gotten better every year. And because he is 215 versus Robbie Anderson's, they list him at 190, but no we way. both don't think he's there's 190. No, there's, I will, okay, I will bet my life savings on he's not 190. Okay, let's just say he is, which we know he's not. <laughs> That's a 25-pound difference. And, and Perriman's pretty thick, too, for, I mean, for his size. So Perriman is better. Is he thick, T-H-I-C-C or C-K? Whichever one is not the the bad one. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, so he's better. He's a better yak guy. Robbie Anderson has like pretty much no yak ability. One of the most frustrating things, yeah. watching over the years is them giving reverses to Robbie Anderson. Yeah, he's fast. But People <laughs> say that on Twitter. Why not get Robbie Anderson on bubble screens more? I'm like, what? Like, what are you watching? First of all, he doesn't have good vision when he's running. Second of all, no. the dude, you could bring him down with you can bring him down with an arm tackle with one arm. Mm-hmm. He 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 goes down that easily. Um, and then uh, what else was I going to say about Perriman? Yeah, like his his route running and his releases. He loves that skip release. Right? Yeah, yes, yeah, the hop, the hops, so, the hop step. So he doesn't really have a vari- uh, wide variety of uh, of releases, and um, his route running could still use work. But he seems like he's dedicated to his craft, and he is getting better. So his upside is higher than that of Robbie Anderson's. I'm not saying that he's going to be better. I'm not saying that at all. His physical and traits even, for sure. Yeah. Even though he has a faster forty time. Than Robbie Anderson, he's not a better deep ball catcher either. No, yeah. well, and, and and that's what and that's what I say about it. Though it just came back in my mind. People just view every situation as linear. Like remember last year, and even I was probably guilty. Like ah, uh, yeah, get rid of Shepard. Look at what Shepard and Fado Kasi did last year. You know, so like, can Adoga improve? Can Fan improve? Can Perryman continue? And this is the biggest thing I hear about Perryman too. Is oh well, he 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 was heavily targeted um, those last five weeks, and he was just a benefit uh, the the benefactor of that. I showed on that review that he was getting open when he was playing in weeks one through 15 or whatever, 13, 12, whatever. So, and how many times that, and, and you watched the whole thing, Kyle, I'm assuming how yeah, many times, did. Did Perry, how many times did Winston miss him wide open for a touchdown? Like he could have had a lot more plays. There was at least three that I can think that I can uh, remember. That would have been like 50 three. plus yard touchdowns. <laughs> so yes. Now he did get lucky on that touchdown against the Seahawks where the ball kind of like got deflected up. Hey, but yeah. he tracked the ball. There's a lot of guys who would put their head down at that point yeah. and give up. So it's, it's, there's, there's, uh, you know, pluses and negatives to that. But um, we'll continue um, on, I guess, to quarterback. Uh, for, six, any- for six million maximum, eight million, I, I'm, I'm cool with the Paramount signing. I'm glad they did for it. For sure. For sure. It's the, there's a body. I, I think he's like, okay, he's a decent, like, number three, like, number three, three role. I'm saying, like, okay, he's not going to get your, you know, as many, many targets as Crowder or as whoever else they bring in, maybe, but. Um, as a role player, I think, I think he's good. They just need to bring in another, maybe another couple of like two guys, three guys, but they're not going to have a really a, a number one guy. I don't, I don't think coming into next year, but I think with a decent offensive line and, and a number of role players at receiver, you can get by, um, quarterback. I put backup here. I don't know why I want to talk about quarterback backup. We talked about it a little bit. I'm not sure if we were recording or before it, but, um, oh yeah, with Simeon, I, I think they, they brought in some guys last year. I, I think bringing back Simeon as a backup would be honestly a good option when he was starting. He was like, what, like 14 and 13 as a, as a starter with the Broncos. So I think he's a good backup quarterback. It's unfortunate that like in his second quarter playing as a backup, he got his legs snapped or whatever it was by, by, uh, 
by uh, what Dirty Miles Garrett. Yeah, d- yeah, Miles Garrett, uh, who's one of the dirtiest players in the NFL apparently now. But um, any thoughts on the quarterback backup? Who should they they should bring in? Do you want Simeon back, et cetera, et cetera? Because I think they just didn't they just resign Fails or whoever it was. They did. They yeah, did resign so. good old David Fails, who's been following Adam Gase for a while now. He was with him in Chicago, then Miami, and now with the Jets. Um, multiple contracts with the Jets. Um, I mean, Matt Moore's still out there, right? I watched mm-hmm. a good amount of Matt. Matt Moore led the Dolphins to the playoffs. He did well with the Chiefs last year, too, when, when Patty Mahomes went down. Yeah, Matt Moore, you could do a lot worse than him as your backup quarterback. Um, you know, you figure the Chiefs are probably not going to want to give him a hefty contract, being that they possibly could give Mahomes a contract this offseason. So you can't tie too much money up into the quarterback position. Um, I would look to, into exploring that market because I don't want to put David Fales in there. I mean, yeah. you, see, you saw what happens last year when you have <laughs> really, 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 really terrible quarterback play. I mean, the Jets had no shot in those games when, when, when Falk was, that was that was That was the worst quarterback of play I've, I've ever seen. Um, honest, watching Christian Hackenberg in the preseason, which I know you love that pick. Um, kidding, obviously. Uh, moving, transitioning to the defense. They don't really need to do much. There's not much of tight end. They have Griffin. They have Herndon, who you're hoping, who you're hoping is help. They have, they have Wesco, who's apparently a, a bust already, being a, a fourth or fifth round pick, um, who I think he'll progress, hopefully. Uh, did better. Got better. Got better as the got season better. went on. Yeah, got better as a blocker down down the line. Um, now moving to the defense, I had somebody who like tagged me. He's like a fan from other team. He's like, oh yeah, I think the Jets take an interior defensive lineman in the first round, but <laughs> which is crazy. Talking about the defensive line, I think they're set there. Uh, obviously with Fadokasi, with Shepard, with McClendon, who is one of the most underrated players I I think in the league. He's a absolute monster you had him too low um, on your rankings last year when we did the top 25 show you had him like 10 or something like that yeah he's gonna be top like oh, pro, uh, he's gonna be top six I, th- I think this year or, or close to it he's really freaking good I know. um they're uh, henry anderson i wish he can get out of that contract he didn't really do much for the jets last season I'm just thinking that today too but um overall thoughts on the defensive line you know listen they were number two i think in the in, in terms of uh rushing defenses last year they're they're set there they don't have to make any moves and if they do people will probably go pretty crazy and obviously i didn't mention quinn williams we spoke about it before um and i wanted to bring this up to light because michael nania again of jets x factor the the best jets website out there um to be a, a little bit of a prick but i i stand by that uh, he looked back at his at his um, film, and he has him something on forty one percent of his of his snaps last year, which is a lot. So they had Quinn Williams eating up space for other guys to to get uh, to get free to the quarterback. Which yeah, you want Quinn Williams to be in that role because um, he's you want him to be able to win one on ones. I don't know exactly why they were doing that, but he was a guy at Bama who was a one gap penetrator guy who can get to the quarterback. Um, after defeating the guy's hands, but when he's having to hold up multiple guys to free up other guys, it's not the best necessarily the best role in terms of producing to, uh, statistically. But there were games where he was, you know, he dominated Lane Johnson at times. He would he, there was a couple of plays where he would he would ragdoll Zach Martin or, or Travis Frederick. So like, don't give up on Quinn Williams. And and the biggest and and you you don't have to look to anywhere else but the Jets last year. And I said it before, how many people want to give up on Nathan Shepard and and Fado Kasi? Fadokasi was dominant last year. Fadokasi is a mo- – he's good. He is yeah. good, good. Now look at Quinn Williams coming into his second year. So I, I, I think that's it's, – it's foolish to give up on this kid. I, I would still pick him um, where they picked him. So Yeah, and I don't, I don't quite get why, but there are certain positions that it really takes uh, – you see a really big jump from rookie year to second year. And I don't quite get why def- interior defensive line is that way because 
to me, it, you know, obviously it makes sense with quarterback and stuff because they're responsible for reading everything and getting everybody yeah. in position and stuff. I don't quite get why that's the case with defensive line, but just looking at some of the best defensive linemen in the league, like Chris Jones, he wasn't super impactful his rookie year or whatever. Geno Atkins. Yeah, right. And you mentioned, and you just mentioned a guy on our own team, and um, which is interesting because Leonard Williams' best year was his rookie year, probably. Um, but I probably. guess it's because he had uh, other beasts. Sheldon had a beast year, and so did Wilkerson. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, but Fadu Kasi wasn't super impactful his rookie year, but he was absolutely dominant last year. So. Um, yeah, don't give up on Quinn and Williams. That's why, you know, yeah. 95, you can't even really see it in the camera, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was disappointed last year. I was expecting much bigger things, but I mean, it's interesting that you say those statistics to me because when you said it to me and we actually talked about this before we got on and started recording, that matches up with what my eyes saw. I was constantly frustrated watching the TV this year noticing how much times they stunted him. I mean, you got a, you got a guy who can literally beat the crap and split a double team. Just yeah. let him, just let him create wreckage on his own and create stunts with other guys, but they constantly put him on stunts last year. Um, maybe cause he's a rookie and you know, he's still learning the game or whatever, but, and I get it. Like he, he is a, he's a pretty good athlete. I mean, we don't know. He didn't have all his testing numbers. He ran a four, eight, three in the 40, which is pretty good for a guy who's 300 plus pounds. He's a good, he's a good athlete. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, but he didn't run a three-cone and everything like that. So, yeah. But whatever, he's a pretty good athlete, so I get it. You could have him as a looper or whatever, and he, he could do an okay job at that. Sometimes they line them up at, on the edge. And, yeah, like, he can crash down on an offensive tackle and bully him into a quarterback, but he's not going to bend around the edge. Like, let him keep him, you know, between the three, yeah, three and zero. zero. Yeah. And let him wreck from in, in there. I mean, I hope to see much more of that this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he and and his technique was so good at Bama too. So like just having him one on one with a tackle, or I mean a guard or a center, I, I think he he's gonna take that step up. Let's just let's just say that I don't want to get too much into it because we and have to. Some of that's of on him though. Some of that's on him because remember last year he said you know, he didn't feel like he needed to work with a pass rush special. I mean, like listen, almost all these guys, the really good guys at their positions, Tom Brady's one of the greatest ever. You know, he's still working out with quarterback coaches and stuff. He should have done. He should have been working out with a Chuck Smith or something like and that. And the, the, the whole year. the whole gun thing too. I, I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he just he was just stupid. Like I I don't think it was anything crazy. But um, yeah, and you're in law enforcement too. I mean, you can understand someone making a mistake. Gun laws are vast, vastly different between state to state. Yeah, for sure. Um, now moving on to the linebackers, uh, bringing back Jenkins, bringing back Hewitt, bringing in our back Burgess, bringing back uh, Peanut, or bringing in Peanut. Um, Thoughts on the linebackers? Obviously, they still don't have like a true threat at outside linebacker. I like the Jenkins deal for five and I think it's five and a half million dollars. Um, I don't want to see Copeland go, but obviously he he did go. But I think with outside linebackers, like they're okay there. Obviously, you want a, a stud there, but Jenkins, Basham, um, I, I think it's fine. Obviously, the inside linebackers uh, having Mosley back is is going just and again. The Buffalo Bills, the first game, the first three quarters versus the last quarter. The, 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 the amount, and I think that's one of the things that's overblown too, that middle linebacker doesn't matter. Middle linebacker matters a lot in terms of directing your defense, like a lot, a lot. Maybe, honestly, in terms of a guy who's directing your defense, and this might be a little bit like crazy to say, I'd really like to break, break it down, but minus edge rusher and corner, it might be the third most important position on your defense. Um, so having him back with having Williamson back, uh, I think it's going to be a huge – you know, impact on the Jets. Now, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the, the linebacker position overall and then letting Williamson go? Would you, would you look into doing that? What are your, what are your thoughts on letting him go? For, I think it's like seven, seven and a half. 
All right. Well, I'll start with – you want to start with Williamson or – You start or? wherever you want, Kyle Smith. All right. I'm going to comment <laughs> on Mosley before I forget what I was thinking. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, like, he listen, the Jets with their one Jets drive series really did a good job hyping up, like, you know, how important Mosley is and how, how important he is with communication and things like that. Communication is, is absolutely essential in football. And, like, one of the things that really frustrated me at the end of the Bulls era or – actually happened for a big majority of the Bulls are in the Rex Ryan era was, you know, communication busts, um, and which would lead to coverage busts and you'd see big wide open touchdowns or whatever. Um, the Bills offense couldn't do anything that entire game. And once it was mostly went out, that's when you start, I mean, and think about it, like, okay, it was so, de- so defenses shift formations and stuff, right? So like they might line up one way and then they motion a guy or they motion everybody, they shift out. And then based on, what the alignment is and you know let's say if the slot guy's running vertical or you know he's or he's not running vertical the people need to to get these these communication calls out and you know hey listen if the linebacker needs to carry number two or whatever you know he needs to know who's carrying where and stuff and and I'm not gonna it's not like I have the film in front of my face right now and I can't like necessarily <clears throat> break down everything but yeah, you, yeah. Didn't see, you didn't see any of these coverage busts you didn't see any of these explosive plays until Mosley went out and Mosley's a pretty good coverage guy I'm not saying it's mostly and he, by the way he got hurt on a, uh, an amazing coverage play yeah you Tampa know, carrying, a, carrying a seam route yeah Tampa too yeah but um you know just the the the, the, the communication aspect alone is, is huge but you know he, the dude the dude does not miss tackles uh, he's so good at avoiding you know, not just like running th- – like Avery Williamson's a battering ram. He just runs through guards. I love the Always way Avery Williamson plays. Yeah. I love it. But Mosley is just like – you wouldn't think of it ba- based on looking at like his body style whatever because he's not like a great athlete. He's, he's really sick. good with his hands and his leverage. Yeah, and he's very nimble too and like, you mm-hmm. know, just knows how to like bend around people. Yeah. But anyway, he, uh, he doesn't miss tackles and he is very good with understanding, um, you know, what zone he needs to be in and when he needs to carry, when he needs to drop off. And, and, even and even just simple things, him. Kyle, like there's like certain things, okay, well, if a guy motions from one side of the field to the other, now everybody moves in a gap and now the corner's filling on the outside of the force player and now instead of Fado Kasi being a, a single gap player, now the guy next to him on the weak side is now a two gap. Like there's so much little things that happen in a game that people have no idea about. And he was the director of all of it. And that's why the, the Jets defense with Mosley healthy would have been a much better unit last year. And now adding him and then uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on Williamson letting him go? And just quickly on that, I'm not going to get really far into it. Burgess isn't a starter. Cashman's not a starter. Hewitt's not a starter. Peanut's not a starter. Williamson, I, I, I feel that he's underrated. I think that you feel the same way. I think you really like his game as well. So what, what are your thoughts on letting him go? I, I would not even consider that. That would not even be a thought in my mind. I, yeah. The Jets got him for a steal of a contract. It was like three years, an average of like five million a year or something like that. I think that. it's like seven. I, I think it's like seven. Average seven. Okay, I think it's whatever. like three years, 21 million or something like that. Okay, whatever. I mean, shoot. That's almost a third of what C.J. Mosley is. And is, is he at least half the player of C.J. Mosley? Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a super big gap between those players. He is a great player. He is mm-hmm. a great, uh, great inside linebacker. And that type of playing style is infectious, too. I mean, when you want to talk about just blowing the shit out of a guard who's pulling <laughs> yeah. and then yep. making the tackle, like, that fires you up as another defensive player or whatever. And he's a good team leader. I mean, like, think about it. Like, good locker room guy. I mean, this guy – Think about how dedicated he is to this team. He's not he's on a not on a super big contract. He's dressing up in his football helmet and cleats every Sunday watching the team. 
he is dedicated to this team. I wouldn't even think about cutting this guy. I mean, no. me? I know you got a lot of money invested in the in, inside linebacker, but you don't walk, you don't cut one of your best players on your team. I don't remember what I had him ranked when we did our top 25 rankings, but I think it was like four or something like that. Having him and Mosley behind Fado Kasi and Quinnen Williams and McClendon, that, it's going to be such a hard unit to run on. Now, obviously, you have concerns with the secondary, but hopefully if those guys are healthy, you can have Jamal Adams playing in, in the secondary a little bit more in coverage to help those guys out, to be completely honest, even though yeah, that, sure. that, you know, you like Jamal Adams in the box and things like that, but flexing him out um, into the slot and things like that might help them a little bit more. Um, in terms of the cornerbacks and, you know, their leverages and, okay, they can play outside leverage and it makes it easier instead of having like a two-way go type deal. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that that's – it's Williamson's really – I love the way Williamson plays, so I don't want to let him go. Um, now, outside linebacker, I, I don't – I guess you're, you don't really have thoughts on that. It's the same thing as last year. You're just losing Copeland. Obviously, if they can get a guy in the fourth round, you know, great. I, I Listen, I'm Jenkins, not that I thought he should have got big money or anything like that. I thought he was at least going to get like eight-ish million a year. Eight, nine, yeah, so I thought so. I, I, I was really surprised. Not that he's he's not – for him, it's mostly just athleticism. He's not a plus athlete. He's a minus athlete on the edge. But his technique is good. Mm-hmm. And he has he has really long arms, and he knows how to use those long arms. And he, he he's a very powerful player. I, five million a year—that's a steal. That's and a steal. A lot of people argue, oh well, not why not just sign him for three years, fifteen million dollars? People don't realize again, it's not Madden. He's not going to take that. He 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 wants that five million dollars, you know, five million dollars a year to have another good season. And then have a team pay him, you know, nine, ten million dollars a year. People are like, "Oh, well, what the hell? Why didn't he sign him?" Joe Douglas is trash. It's like that. It doesn't work like that. And the same thing with which we're going to transition into corner pool. Oh, why well, not just sign him for a bigger deal? The problem with signing pool to a bigger deal is, again, great contract for what he did last year. He was not consistent with the Falcons. He just wasn't. And last year he played well, but I always respect the regression to the mean. If they had a really good season, just like with Myers, especially so. with corners. Exactly. With corners. What? What position group is more up and down on any given year than corners? Yeah, and, and I have a problem with paying – and not that he's old, but once you start to get in your late 20s, which he's not even there yet, that's old for a corner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, like, you know, like a lot of people are happy. Oh, Byron Jones, actually, you know, the Dolphins got a pretty reasonable deal for him, and he's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm not saying that they didn't get him for, you know, maybe cheaper than people were thinking. When is the last time that a big multi-five-year cornerback contract, big money, worked out for a team? Just think about our team. Recent, we, Tremaine Johnson and Revis. Both those guys were in their late 20s when we signed mm-hmm. them. Those deals certainly didn't work out. You know, so I'm just saying, like, you know, okay, know. Byron Jones, he might be pretty good for the Dolphins for the first two years of that contract, but on the back end years, is he going to be worth it? I remember Tlaib being good for a, a good, good amount of years with the Broncos, but I don't remember how long he was there, maybe three, four years after the Patriots. But there's, really, there's not a lot of examples. Um, yeah, but he, uh, that's a good point. I don't know, maybe. That's all, but that's, again, that's not like I can – I'm not saying, oh, well, this guy, this guy, this guy, that guy. Like, you know. um, corner, though, Desir, listen, I think it's an upgraded position because they have a body there. Like Roberts was, he was absolute trash. Johnson was absolute trash. I think having Desir, who I compared to like a 2017 Morris Claiborne, Ben, but don't break type guy who will be frustrating when he plays, you know, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage on third and three and gives up a, a hitch route. Like he's a little bit frustrating in that, in that sense of it. But I think he's a, he's the best state. He's the best corner 
on the Jets team right now. And I feel comfortable with him. You know, I, I want to see him press. I want to see him in cover two as that cloud corner. Um, because if you watch his game in the playoffs 2018 against Hopkins, he was really, really impressive. Now, when he played him 2019, like midseason sometime, he got roasted because he started opening his hips and, and he really, you know, uses the, the inside hand to slingshot himself inside if the guy does go inside. But DeAndre Hopkins is so strong at the top of his stem that he would just throw him off and he got dominated. But um, I think it's a better position. Uh, obviously, I don't think you have any problems with cutting Roberts or, or Tremaine Johnson, but people who just – it was funny going into this offseason. Oh, well, we're, we're fine with Mollett and, and Bless Austin. We don't really need to add a lot more guys. That's a joke. Listen, Bless Austin has been historically injured. He played like four games in his final two years of college, whatever it was. He played five games for the Jets, I think, and four of them were decent, and then he got benched. So if you want him as your two – by all means. And if you think Arthur Mollett, who's like 29 years old and a journeyman guy, can be a number three, number four, that's the joke too. So I think the, I think the corners and the corner position is the biggest need on the defense. Now, yeah, would I if, if, there was a, if there was a stud outside linebacker versus a stud corner, I'd probably want the stud outside linebacker. But I think with how good the Jets front seven is, they can kind of, they can kind of hide that, that weakness outside linebacker. Where corner, you can't hide that weakness. You, you just can't. So I, I think corner is a dire need right now for the team still, even after this year. But like I said, it might be slightly upgraded because of this year. And plus, you know, just look at the landscape of the NFL nowadays. Teams are loading up at receiver. There's a report, and it could just be total smoke or whatever, that the Chiefs are interested in trading up for rugs. And, mm. I mean, the Chiefs, they're just like – they believe in just overwhelming you at one position. Like, they want to leave it so, like, you just can't cover them. Like – they already have Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, all these weapons, and adding rugs too, like, is if that's even possible. I, I, I really doubt it is. But I'm just saying, you know, like, some teams just believe in that philosophy of just loading up at a specific position. The Cardinals, same thing. I mean, like, you know, not a bad receiving core, but just, hey, let's go and add uh, Hopkins as well. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, you, need, you can't have enough corners. Um, and to think that you're good. And if, if a coach benches a guy too, that, that's really saying something like, yeah. it's one thing to point to the analytics. Oh, well, bless Austin, you know, PFF gave him this grade and he only gave up this one. Okay. Well, it's a little <laughs> bit beyond that. If, yeah. if Greg Williams, who's, you know, in the meeting rooms with him and he's, cause you have to understand coaches are picking players brains when they're in a meeting too. Like, well, what's your responsibility in this coverage if they run this route or whatever. And the corner gives this, this type of answer. Like if he, sees that his intelligence level is not where it needs to be and his situational awareness, he, he's not going to trust a player like that. So they have more information than us. And I'm not, I know appeal to authority isn't always the best argument because coaches do make stupid decisions from here on out. But I think it's pretty telling if, if, if you get benched and, and stay on the bench for that long. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to run through the last five ones relatively quickly because I do want to get to the mailbag before we run out of time. Um, moves to be made. Is there anything that you're seeing on the free agency market, a guy that you really want, you know, wide receiver corner tackle? Like, do you, is there anything you want to, you want to see the Jets do? Um, I, I know he's on your wish list, Jason Peters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think honestly for me too, and we'll move on, like I said, relatively quickly, I, I think Jason Peters, um, receiver, I, I would like to see after the draft, even with Peters, maybe see after the draft, but uh, another corner, Darquez Denard is, is out there. Drake Kirkpatrick. I think that's some guys that could be looking at. Um, 
targets for the draft. Is there any, obviously, I, I think you agree with me in terms of the, the positions that there should be targeting, receiver, tackle, in, interior offensive line, edge rusher, corner. Do you have any different thoughts? Maybe a position like a – I think backup safety might be, a, might be something they might look to. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. like are you going to re-sign Marcus May? Marcus probably, May I don't, I don't long, know. Long injury history. He's, he's, what, 28 now? Yeah. At least 27. Like he, you know, he, they drafted him old. I, I like Marcus May as a player, but I don't know that he's going to be worth giving him the contract. You're going to have to give Donald a contract around the same time as him. So, you know, I know the Jets are pretty good. Safety is not a weakness this year, but you got to start thinking long-term future too. So, yeah, sure. Safety could be something that they look for. Um, I don't really see the Jets fans are divided on needs to address in the draft. They seem pretty united, but, you know, some might disagree over which players they like better and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So in the last question, which I, again, I don't like even talking about it. Jamal Adams, that whole situation. What, what are your thoughts? Do you trade him? Do you pay him? What is his value to the team, et cetera? I would, I would not trade him unless, I mean, look, look, listen, let's be honest. Every player has a price, right? Every player has a price. Mm-hmm. I would say nobody's untradeable. Yeah. Um, if someone offered me a top 10 pick this year, a first rounder next year and a second rounder this year, I might do it. What do you think? Something like that. Yeah, two first and an early like second or third, you, you might have to. But I, I think the whole, oh, he just plays safety is, is complete crap. He played in the slot. He played edge. He could blitz up any gap. He could play in, in, in cover three, cover two, cover four. You could play anything you want. Can man up on tight ends. Can man up on a receiver. I bet if if, if they really wanted him to, um, he's a leader in the locker room. He's a he's a leader, you know, off the field. He's a, he, he what he offers Recruits to the team. To come play to the team. What he offers right. to the team, not just on the field, is absurd. Like losing that guy on your team, your best player on the team, is going to hurt the locker room. It is, regardless of what you think, it's going to hurt the locker room. He's the leader of the team. You do not want to get rid of him at what twenty four years old. He's the best safety in the NFL. Yeah, listen, he might be a little bit of a pain in the ass on Twitter, but pay him his money do not trade this guy unless it, you get a ridiculous offer which you will not give him his money and listen people don't understand this if they if they extend him it's not like he has to have new money this year they can extend him and have his same cap hit this year and then the next year the cap hit comes into effect so it's not like they it's not like oh well you sign him you have to give him 16 million dollars this year they don't have any money there doesn't have to be new money in that deal so there's ways around that and I, I don't want to see him on the, cow, uh, the Cowboys. I want to see him on the Ravens. I want to see him as a Jet. And I said this the other, the other day, Kyle, I don't know if you agree with me. There's been three generational players since both me and you. You're a little bit older than I am, just a couple by a couple of years, but we're both you know, relatively the same age. Curtis Martin, Darrell Revis, Jamal Adams. That's the only generational players I've seen play on the Jets, and I do not want to trade one of them. That's just, that's just my thoughts. Get, get them signed. Especially since you traded the other generational one in Revis. Yeah. That was beloved by the fans. And, and what, does that, what does that do? Like, okay, you drafted him sixth overall, and it was an absolute hit. I mean, this – listen, I, I teach in, in, in Elizabeth, and it's a, it's a basketball town. Um, so some kids – you know, kids are into football, but not nearly like basketball. Any kid who's kind of into football, they can't name many players on the Jets roster, but every single one of them knows Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. They, they know, oh, Jamal Adams, you know, kicked the crap out of Daniel Jones when he stripped him. You know, I have a lot of the people who love clowning on the Giants fans will bring that up. It, it's great. I mean, you're going to trade a player like that? No, don't do it. Um, but what I'm saying is like, yeah, what, what would that do to the, like, wow, Jamal has been great. Every year he's been here with the Jets, he's been good in the locker room. He's been a leader on and off the field. You can't ask any more from on the field. And you, you drafted him homegrown, and then you shipped him off. 
and you did the same thing to Revis? Like, what does that do for players it's who are not a good president? And, and their long, their long term, you know, desire to want to stay with the Jets. I mean, what is that going to do in Donald's mind? They drafted me too. You know, shoot, I've been doing a lot of losing since I'm here. They're going to want to ship me off. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not a good look. I wouldn't want to do it. But like I said, like, if you could get a top 10 pick this year and that could turn into, you know, a Judy or a Wills potentially, and you get a second rounder this year, and that could be either another receiver or potentially another offense lineman, and you're getting a first rounder next year, then maybe. But I'm not even doing like the Cowboys first rounder, which is like 17. That's too late for me. Listen, there's, you, not, there's not as much blue chip players there. Even with that, you have to hope those players work out. He's generational. So even if those, yeah. even if all those players you draft are solid, there's three solid players equal a generational player in my mind, and what he offers to the to the team off, you know, off the field, I don't, I don't think so. So you have to hope those players hit, which is not a guarantee, obviously, with the draft, which is a crapshoot. So, um, in my mind, sign him. He he he's like you said. Playing football, like when one of our best guys on the team went down, even which was an injury, it really affects the locker room. And now when you're seeing guys who are playing really well, obviously we didn't get signed a contract in high school, but one of those guys gets traded away because, you know, he was a great leader and, like you said, couldn't offer more on the field. I, I think it's a joke, so sign yeah, the guy. And the, and the Jets are known as a joke franchise. Like you go and you trade away one of the best players in the NFL. Man, yeah. Well, that joke team that they they they've been a joke for decades. They go and they trade away their best player. Exactly. Yeah. So I it doesn't, I, it doesn't I, help the aesthetic. I think it would be stupid to 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 trade a guy who's who's that damn good at 24 years old. Who, you know, listen, I love and Revis is obviously a better player. Revis is one of the best corners of all time. If not the best corner, Jamal Adams is probably the best safety in the NFL. He's not on Dawkins or Reed's level yet. Um, he'll never Jamal be on can have a level. better career. Jamal can have a better career. Not than not than Reed, maybe than Dawkins. Not no, than I'm Reed. saying I'm no. Oh, I mean Reed. I'm saying than Revis because uh, Revis's career was finite. Think about in, in, in terms of the, I'm I'm talking about like the the peak. Like oh yeah 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 no way. So but Revis the thing that Revis didn't offer that Jamal offered us Jamal is more of a leader than Revis in in, in my Definitely. opinion. So like just sign the guy. But let's move into the into the questions. Like I said, I'm, I'm going on another podcast. Jets 24 seven talk whatever it is. Um, at seven thirty, actually, I'm getting on at seven thirty or, or eight o'clock. So, um, we'll be talking. I'm sure we'll be talking about the whole Jamal Adams thing. I hate that conversation. Sign the freaking guy. Sign him. Just sign him. <laughs> so, moving into the uh, the mailbag. Uh, first question um, at from Joe at Jets Joe seventy three. What rookies from 2019 um, impresses you the most? Or I guess impressed you the most, if any. Um. You know what? Answer that first. Sorry, I had to gather my thoughts. No, it's okay. I'll, we'll do this. I'll go. I'll go odds. You go evens. Um, so I would say guys who like. Impre- I'm not gonna say like I was so hyped on them. I think Cashman when he came in made some good plays. I would say Cat- Cashman has a little bit of an hour up uh, again. You have to be. You have to be fair with your expectations. I'm not expecting Cashman to come in as a fifth round pick and play like Luke Keekley. So I think when he came in, he was okay. So I would say him. Uh, bless on Austin for a, for a seventh round pick who was injured when he did play. Yeah, he got benched, and I don't think he should be a number one or number two, number three. But as a depth guy, he 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 impressed me. Uh, other than that, maybe a Dogo when he played right tackle is is what I would say. I think when Dogo when he played right tackle was relatively like you know okay, which is which is fine. So I, I think those three guys, if any. Um, let's see. Who the hell is number ninety eight for the Jets? What's his name? Kyle. It's Kyle. Kyle what? Phillips. Phillips. He now I know he wasn't a draft pick, but he impressed me. Yeah, yeah. He impressed me. 
Um, I, I, I can't put, I can't put Quinn and Williams on here because I was expecting much more. No. Part of that was, you know, scheme related. Part of it might've been the injury. I know Scott Mason talked about that a lot about like, you know, how he had an ankle injury. You have less explosion when it's ankle, but Chuma, Adoga, and I, I want to watch the last, the last half of the jet season a little bit more. I wasn't super impressed. I know people like, you know, like to tweet out like, oh, here's Chuma Doga against Brandon Graham. Here's a good rep against uh, DeMarcus uh, Lawrence. DeMarcus Lawrence still beat the shit out of him by and large in that game, I thought. Which, by the uh, way, that contract is not looking good for the Cowboys. He had like five and a half sacks last year. Yeah, but he still had a lot of pressure, though. Oh, you know, here come comes like, the Leonard Williams defender. <laughs> hey, you were a Leonard. You no, I was. Leonard I was. I was. And, I was. Yeah, I mean, he, he has, I mean, a little bit disappointing, but I think, I still think he's, he's very good. Good. Um, not, to be honest, I wasn't really impressed with Chuma Adoga. Um, he does have nice feet and stuff, but he needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And he definitely needs to get stronger. And he definitely doesn't have any type of mean streak in him. You know? So, and again, running game. Like, you know, he could be a pretty good pass protector, maybe, if he, if he works on his craft more. But I don't ever see him being a plus run blocker. So, to be honest, uh, Bless Austin did impress a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on way too long. I didn't expect That's anything okay. out of him when you looked at a six-round pick and the injury history. Uh, but I think fans overhype him, uh, you know, a little bit, though. Yeah, he's not number two, number three at this point. I, I think considering he was a seventh-round pick and injured, him coming in and playing like he did, okay, he might be a nice depth piece at this point, you know, to me. Like, maybe he could prove more if he's healthy. But um, but moving on, uh, Sun, Moon, Rise, 31 with no spaces. At Sun, Moon, Rise, 31 with no spaces. Uh, this is you. Uh, considering realistic outcomes and bearing possible trades in the upcoming draft, what will your dream outcome uh, as Jets' choices in round one to three and why? Okay, so I guess I'll take this one first. So the dream for the Jets, and it is still kind of realistic. Realistic. It, we can't say, okay, Chase Young falls to 11. Sure, yeah, there's no way that's happening. Yeah, it is somewhat realistic that Wills could fall. I mean, everyone keeps saying, and this has been, this has been the, the, the consensus for months now, is that there's really four good, really good blue-chip prospects at the tackle position, but people, different teams vary drastically depending on how they have these guys on their own boards. And if you look at the Browns, the Browns just signed Conklin, who's always been a right tackle. Wills has always been a right tackle. Is he athletic enough to play left tackle? Yes, but he hasn't done it. That right there might be enough for the Browns to say, you know, we're not going to take Wills, you know. So they might not take Wills. The Giants could take someone like Becton or whatever. Um, The Cardinals, I keep hearing, you know, they might actually – they need help on defense. They could go on defense and draft a Simmons or a Derek Brown or whatever. It's realistic that, that Wills could fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. uh, him at 11 is, is definitely the most ideal. And then, obviously, if you're getting a tackle in round one, round two, a receiver. Um, I, I can't say that I watched some of the, sec- the second, third round guys uh, that much. Um, but I've heard a lot of good things and saw a little bit of Michael Pittman, who Donald has a relationship with already, who – you know, he just going based off of, of numbers and stuff, like he's already a pretty good route runner, 6'4", 223, ran a pretty good 40 time for that size, you know, four five something, uh, decently good route runner, strong hands. That seems like if you can get Wills round one, him round two, again, I don't really want to speak about people I don't know about that much, so I can't really say yeah. about later rounds. Yeah. No, that's fine, and we talk about it. I I don't want to be one of those guys who just spread like, – a lot of people just say – 
you can tweet at anybody right now, a random guy. Oh, what's your opinion on this fifth round guy? And they'll give you an opinion. And all they're doing is going to NFL.com, typing in his him into NFL.com and then just regurgitating what they're reading. So like, I don't like to give out opinions of guys because there's guys who I'm not going to speak to on, on air, but Kyle knows who are big within the Jets community, who I think are pretty garbage in terms of their evaluations. So I don't like to just do that. But in terms of me, just to be quick, uh, Will's at Will's in the first round. Uh, guys, I've seen a little bit in terms of like the second round. Again, I would like to receive in the second round, like a Rager or a Mims falling would be would be a, a, I think a great thing. I, by the way, I do like Mims. I've watched a decent amount of Mims, but I don't think he's going to be there at forty eight. I, I don't think so either. So I would say Mims, but Rager is probably more likely. Even though I don't think Rager will be there. But again, you're, t- you're talking about a, a dream scenario. So. And then the third, you know, some names I've seen like AJ Terrell, Jonah Jackson. Like I, I think any 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 kind of positions between corner, inside, uh, offensive line, are the kind of the guys I want in the third, fourth type round. So again, I haven't watched all those guys. I have a job, <laughs> so it's not my full time job. Uh, moving on to the uh, third, drink uh, drink jet fuel at bowls uh, underscore fire. Hey, uh, yeah. Okay. So, Hey Joe, I really enjoy your stuff. Your head and shoulders uh, above I've ever heard breaking down film. I'm curious what your background is and how you got so good at film work. Uh, obviously I appreciate that. And just to be quick, uh, uh, I'm not definitely head and shoulders above anybody. There's guys who are out there who are definitely better than me. Um, I still learn stuff from cover one from the bill stuff. He's been doing this for a while. There's plenty of guys out there who know more than I do. Uh, the more you learn legitimately, the less you feel you know because you learn something about a concept and you're like, okay, well, why did he do this on this play, then that on that? And then you just go into a deep, dark hole. So, um, but I, I played football um, in high school. I played free safety, corner, receiver, running back. Uh, I started listening to Jet Nation Radio when it first first started with like, I, I, I knew it was Tyson uh, who does Let's Talk Jets now and Dennis. Um, and I started listening to Brandon when he started doing the show. I called into Brandon's show on Jet Nation Radio he called me back after the show and asked me to be a host. I started hosting with Brandon. Me and Brandon split up. I started hosting with Glenn. I was the host and Glenn was the co-host. And then we went in different directions. I wanted to do more film type stuff. I went to TOJ. Then now I'm here on Jets X Factor. Uh, a lot of it was reading books and a lot of it is researching. When you, when, you, when you run into something you don't know, research it, look it up, you know, read books on it, watch coaching clinics. I've watched hundreds of hours of coaching clinics on the offensive line. So um, I was kind of self-taught and I played in high school, but that's, that's really it. Um, Kyle, I guess you're, you're on here too. What is, I, you, you played, you played offensive line in college and a lot of stuff. So, uh, I'm not going to answer that question for myself because I'm not on your level or anything like that, but I'll comment on you. The thing is, is you already have, you already have an innate interest. You're, you're naturally interested in, in the subject of football. You love the game, you played the game, but you kept challenging yourself is, you know, it's not like, you know, you weren't just content with whatever you knew and you didn't have, you weren't see some people are arrogant and they think they know a lot about the game. Oh, I couldn't possibly, you know, want to know more, whatever you, you come at it. Like, Hey, listen, I know, I know a lot more than the average person or whatever, but there's so much I don't know. So let me keep spending more time to learn more and more and more and more and more because reality is, is the game changes all the time. There's always going to be new shit to learn and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly challenging yourself and you keep working at it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, for those like, of you guys, sorry, Joe. No, no, for, those no. of you, for those of you guys that don't know Joe that well, I've known Joe for what is it, four or five years now, something like that. Probably more. I, we started talking when the uh, I would say like 2014 ish, 15 ish. Definitely 15, I think. Well, so that's about, Hackenberg, and we were friends before they drafted Hackenberg. So they drafted Hackenberg in 16. So I'm, I oh, think 15, about 2014 ish. 
I think around 15. Anyway, I'm just saying like in that the amount of time that I've known Joe, I've seen him grow a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So the Joe that you're hearing and seeing his stuff now is very different from five years ago because yeah, during all that time he gets, he gets free time, you know, he's using a lot of that to, you know, football is, is something, you know, he takes pleasure, pleasure in and it's fun for him, but it's also work in a sense too. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh and, and like I said, I brought you on cause you're super knowledgeable as well. It's getting complacent, getting lazy is it's, it's something you don't want to do. A lot of people will like learn one thing like, Oh, I know the difference between inside zone and outside zone. Now, now I'm going to stop, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's so much information out there. Like I was just looking into the book and Bible reads the other day in terms of like blocking up the arc uh, with, with, with his own options and stuff like that. Like that, there's stuff I don't know that I have to learn about. Like I'm, you know, until you're at Bill Belichick's level who still has to learn stuff about drafting. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, there's, you can't get complacent. That's why I hate like going on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I, there's this guy with three followers who I've never heard talk about football saying, Oh, well, I love this fifth round guy. And he has really strong feet and hands. I'm like, Oh my God. I said, stop responding to people. But fourth question, um, Roberts Lee. And I appreciate that, Kyle. Um, Roberts Lee at Jets bum 2004. What, uh, who are you expecting to make a major impact that we are overlooking right now? I guess in 2020, um, that's an, that's an even, so that is you. So, so a player currently on the Jets roster that people are overlooking, who's going to have a, a, a big impact. Is that the question? Yeah. More yeah. or less. Quinton Williams. People are, yo, people are clowning that pick because, oh, the Jets went into your defensive line again. They just don't learn from their mistakes. And then they draft a guy and then they get rid of them. Wilkerson, Richardson, Leo Williams. They got rid of yeah. all of them. So now and people are saying the same shit about Quentin Williams. We should have we should have went with Josh Allen. Meaning edge rusher, Josh yeah. Allen. No, they shouldn't have. No, they shouldn't have. I, I stand by that. Um, Quentin Williams, I if if I'm wrong. I, I will publicly apologize to anyone. I still believe he's going to be a very, very, very good player in the mm-hmm. league in due time. And so many people are sleeping on it. Someone asked you, I saw on Twitter the other day, hey, you know, you know these top eight prospects that you ranked, Joe, where would Quinton Williams stack on your board if you were in this year's draft class? You said, you said number one. For sure. He, he was Dude, his college dominant. tape is, is, is so dominant in the SEC, the best competition that you're talking about in the entire nation. Yeah. Tell me the last time an interior lineman was that, you know, and, and, and listen, it's not, and like now Derek Brown, like people are saying, oh, he's really good too. And by the way, Jedrick Wills, I heard him on, he was talking about the best people he's ever went against. He said, you know, Derek Brown from Auburn, he was a beast too. And he might be a beast too. But at, one of the things that Derek Brown's problem is, is he's athletically not that good. Yeah. Terrible three cone time, terrible 40 time. Quentin Williams is a better athlete meaning he has a higher ceiling as well. Plus better technique I, I, I haven't watched his tape, but I, I severely doubt that his hands are as good as Quinn Williams' hands were. So yeah, if he's using the proper way, listen, like, like you said, I think look up the stats, look up Geno Atkins. I think it's like, I think it's like three sacks his first year. You look at um, all these other interior defensive linemen, their, their stats were like two sacks, three sacks in their first year. So let's not get crazy. He's, I would agree with Quinn Williams. I would say guys sort of make a major impact too. Like just to throw out a couple names, Herndon. People don't really talk about Herndon anymore. He was really solid his rookie year. Uh, but, people, but people really hyped him up after his rookie year, though. True. Uh, Fadu Kasi, I think, is a guy who I said is he's going to be a really good nose tackle. Like He was so good last year. He's already really good. Yeah. Uh, Avery Williamson and Mosley are guys all throughout there who people aren't like, oh, the Jets defense. And they don't mention Mosley or Avery Williamson, who are both 
Mosley is a pro ball linebacker. Avery Williamson's a little bit below his level, but still a upper echelon linebacker in the league in terms of inside guys. That's, that's who I would, I'd have I'd to guess. imagine he's around top 10. I'd have to imagine. If we did a list, I'm sure we'd have him in the top 10 to 15, I, yeah. I would imagine. And you have two of those guys together. I think in, in terms of front seven players, minus outside linebacker, I think the Jets probably have one of the strongest front sevens in the entire league right now. Um, with everybody healthy, with Fado Kasi, with, with McClendon, with guys are talking about uh, Phillips and Quinn and Williams and even Henry Anderson, if you want to throw him in there. Uh, the, the inside linebackers they have, like they, they have a really good box. Mine, you know, if they get an outside linebacker, great. Um, question five um, or question six. No, this is question five, sorry. Uh, same, same guy, Robert Lee, Jets bum, 2004. Um, if we go to a 43 defense, 43 defense, uh, which looks more and more likely, which which looks more and more likely. What do you think would be the starting team, starting line versus rotational people? Uh, f- if you're talking like a like a base four three, um, I would say Jenkins as like the the week five technique on the backside of it. Uh, Quentin Williams the week three because he could pers- he could pursue down the line of scrimmage. The the one tech on the strong side. I would say would be uh, Fado Kossi and McClendon, and then the strong like four I five. I would say Anderson, and that's in an un- that's I'm, I'm talking about um, in a uh, under front. So, and then in terms of the linebackers, like the linebackers are kind of confusing with this because like it's not guys who are necessarily just with their hands in the dirt. I would say in terms of in an under front, which is the one thing I thought about Sam. I mean, I mean the, the Sam backer who is a little bit outside of the, of the box or right inside, right on the edge of the box, usually right by the line of scrimmage. Um, and that under front would be Avery Williamson. Cause I think he could, he could against guys who are trying to kick him out against pulling guards. He could fill that role fine. And he mm-hmm. could also play a little bit into coverage into those shallow zones where a guy like Jenkins couldn't really play. Cause he's not, he's not athletic enough. I think he's not good enough in coverage to play that role where Sam we're, we're, Avery playing Sam, I think, was a, would be good in an underfront. Um, Mosley's the mic. That, that's who you want as the mic always. He's the mic. And then the will backer, the backside guy, the run and chase guy who's not going to have to think a lot is going to be, I, I would say, like Peanut or Cashman, guys who you don't really want to think a lot. Just you're going to cover a lot of ground laterally and run and chase type role. I, I think that would be it. But I don't agree that it's necessarily a lock for a 4-3 because I think they have more 3-4 type players on their team, their defensive line, than 4-3 guys. So it's going to be multiple. Yeah, you know, I, I got to say, like, and I'll agree with, like, what you said in terms of uh, who you're going to put at, at which spot. But, and this is not to, to make the question or feel bad or whatever, but I think we really need to stop using these labels, move to a 4-3 versus 3-4. I, I think it's really irrelevant nowadays. Uh, I was just watching um, over the past couple of days, I was watching the coach's film of the Dolphins game, the first Dolphins game, the one in Miami, uh, the Jags game. Um, the Cowboys game. And I got to be honest, the Jets had four down linemen with their hand in the dirt. I don't have, I don't have the percentages. They had, they had that more often than they had three guys with their hand in the dirt in that game. And plus nowadays with all the nickel sets and stuff, I mean, four, three versus three, four. I'm saying um, two, four, five. Like you see a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not really super relevant or important. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is you want to have guys that are versatile that you can deploy in a matter of ways too, because one of the biggest things with defense is just, you, you know, things move fast in the game and it's all about everybody's good. Uh, every quarterback is, you know, quarterbacks are, are smarter than they were decades ago because they make a lot more money now. So in the off season, they spend a lot more time, you know, you know, 
hiring the best clinics and or not are hiring the best coaches and stuff. They're they're really dedicated to their craft. It's all about confusion. So if you can have guys that can play different positions and give a different look to the offense, that does wonders for your defense. So I don't know. Labels yeah, where you just uh, pay a certain guy, he's playing the same spot all game. It, it doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah, I was watching his his fronts and like la- even like Lashrick, I did like four three over four three under, uh, just a regular four three stack, four two five four two five, like four four three 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 five two four five. Like there's so many fronts, it doesn't that don't get caught up in that. But moving on uh, to the sixth question. Um, Michael Christopher at Big Dogs one three one eight. What round two to four wide receivers do you like the most for Donald uh, and Gase if they go offensive tackle in, in round one? Is there any way uh, you would go with Judy if any one of four tackles are left? So this is me answering this first. Yep. Um, all right, I'll start with the Judy question. I guess. Yes, it is. I. I don't know. <laughs> I go back and forth. It's really hard for me because I feel like Judy, I can't see him being a bust. I mean, I guess there's always busts that people just can't envision. It does happen. Judy was a five-star player coming out of high school. Ruggs wasn't. Um, So Judy was, uh, his route running is so good. And you've, you've made this same point. His releases are so good. Even if he's not the greatest athlete in the world, people clowned him for his 20 yard shuttle or whatever. The dude knows how to release and get off the line of scrimmage, knows how to get in people's blind spots. The way that he stops on a dime is so violent. Those cuts goes, I was showing, did you watch that show where he would? I, yeah, everything, everything I could watch before the, the video cut off, I, I watched it all. Yeah, I mean, he's so good, man. Like, it, that's, I mean, listen, every cover corner is good in the NFL. People aren't, you know, there's a lot less blown coverages in the NFL than there is in college football. It, coverage is a lot tighter in the NFL. But if you can run good routes, that's the one sure way you're going to get open. That's the one sure way to make production week in, week out. That kid, he would help Sam Darnold, no doubt. I mean, I, I think offensive line in totality is more important for helping yeah. the young kid. But I'm a little unsure about Beckton. Uh, but you know what? After watching uh, – uh, at least the vast majority of Beckton's past pro reps in all 22. I was more encouraged a, too. Yeah. Uh, not that his footwork, it, it, it gets, it's pretty good. I mean, he, he, he sometimes like, I think you said that uh, he, sometimes he, he's not the greatest with his punch sometimes. But the thing is, is even if sometimes, if he allows a defender to get into his chest, he's so big that his girth just like absorbs players. And once he does like get locked in on them, they're not moving him. He's just that big. Yeah, and, and you know sometimes he does open up the gate a little too much, but that stuff can be corrected. He's still really young. I think he just turned twenty-one, and he's so big that he has room to be okay technically and be still be a, a top-tier tackle. And the, and one of the the thing I think I like most about Beckton and why I think he could really be really good for the Jets is what he does in the run game. Yeah, I mean he just bullies people in the run game. The Jets get no movement. This guy moves people i mean literally moves him you watch defenders you know he'll be blocking them on the edge and you know look he's he's he is athletic enough to play you know running outside zone in adam gase's offense he's athletic enough to do it and when he gets out inside like it, it, you know when he gets his hands on someone he keeps pushing them keeps bullying them to the sideline and stuff it's like he will help create movement in the run game that the jets haven't had in years so like 
while I think he could potentially turn into a, a, a could potentially be a bust. And I, there's a part of me that wants to go Judy over him. I, I don't know that I could justify it. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel bad about it. Um, yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, it's like, and well, you don't drink, but it's like, it's like the analogy that I used was okay. It's, or me and Scott used, it's like, okay, you have two grand and instead of spending a night out in Vegas with that two grand, you're going to fix the back deck for the summer type, type two grand. So it's like, I, I like, I remember you guys saying this. I really like this need to do over something you want to do. So like for me, no. Um, and the only thing I could see like Thomas is he's not my OT one. He's my OT three, but I don't think he fits well in a zone scheme. Uh, so if they did that where they picked Judy over Thomas, maybe, but, but Thomas is also a lock, I think to be at least a decent starter. So, and in the NFL offensive tackle, that is huge. Exactly. There are so many, that are just so bad. And the difference between average and bad is a huge difference. Exactly. So no, even though I like Judy, he's my number two player on my board. And I might say yes to drafting Makai Beckner, whoever, who's seven. I think it's a smarter pick for Darnold. And, and listen, and I love Judy. The criticism I get with Judy is I don't think he'll ever be a top flight guy. Like he's not Julio Jones. He's not Odell Beckham. He doesn't have, he doesn't have that the athleticism. Yeah. But if you're, if I had to bet he's a top 15 guy, you know, a, a, a Diggs and Allen, obviously they all have different stuff, but they're all really good receivers, number ones. So if he could be that, that's great. And listen, I like I like Lamb, but I showed him Lamb's film. He got a lot of free releases. He got a, he broke a lot of tackles that were poor pa- tackle attempts versus, versus bad, um, you know, you know routes to cut off to cut off him in the open field. And I think he's overrated in terms of okay, he's DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is huge. He's he's a big dude. Uh, you watch you watch. Uh, Lamb. He's not he's not lanky. huge. He's not huge, but he plays big. He's two fifteen. He's two fifteen. That's not huge. Okay, he's big. Calvin Johnson is huge. Okay. Okay. Sorry. He's it, comparing both of their bodies. He's, he's a lot lankier and he's not a, he's not going to be as strong as a catch point as DeAndre Hopkins is. There's just no way. Yeah, the difference so, between the difference between 198 and 215 is a big difference. Exactly. And if you're 215, like Hopkins is 215, the way he plays at 215, I, I doubt it. So, but I, I'm taking tackle over, over Judy. It would hurt me because I really, the way he can turn, like I was showing in the film, the way he can turn 180 degrees off of the step because he opens his, his, his foot correctly to get his hips to, to turn and he gets his drive step underneath of his frame is, is absurd. It is absurd. So I love Judy, but uh, it's an it's a, it's a offensive lineman for me. And with pairing with that, just player versus player, you have to also consider how deep the, all, the draft is at, at receiver. If you like the, exactly. the tackles, is, is, is Lucas Nang going to be there at 48? Is like uh, Urza Cleveland, whatever his name is, is Austin Jackson. Is Josh Jones? Probably not based on what I've seen. So now you're going with like a third-tier tackle versus what could be a second-tier receiver with tackle being the more important position. And a really dumb argument that I've heard over the last couple of weeks is you're taking the fourth-best tackle over the best receiver. This tackle class is an outlier. All of these guys in different years would most likely be the number one or two pick in terms of tackles. So they're all really, really good players. They're all just they happen to come out in the same year. So that's a garbage argument. But continuing with the question, some of the guys, again, I haven't watched a ton of them. Second round guys, I'd be really happy with, 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 uh, with Rager or Mims, like I said. The third round guys, I like Van Jefferson. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, and the fourth round, I, I, the only guy I've really seen play at all is, uh, is Davis from South Carolina, who I like, who can run some routes. But 
again, I, I don't like the – I'm not going to say, oh, well, guess what? Here, strengths and weaknesses, Davis. Oh, strong route runner, Yak, uh, doesn't open drive. Like, I'm not going to do all that stuff, so I don't really know those guys. But For, Forgive me if you mentioned this name. I don't remember hearing it. Did you mention Chenault? Uh, so because no. I see, I see such variances. Like Ben Solak had him ranked twelfth on his big board. A guy at like ten spots ahead of Henry Ruggs. Like, I'm concerned about. I always I know durability. He's got some durability stuff. I understand that. That and guys who are big yak yak guys. Could he be like a Cordell or Patterson? Concern me. Concern me because you can't do that in the NFL as good as you do it in college. Like a lamb. A lot of his yards came from yak. Yeah, like Tavon Austin flamed Can out. Can you do that in the NFL? Not as consistently, not nearly as consistent. Uh, as consistent. It's much harder pro- to project that type of production than versus someone who's such a clean route runner. Route runner is route running is my number one thing I look for in receivers and com- coming out of college. That can translate. The way that Judy cuts is going to translate to the NFL, and it's going to get open. I can guarantee it. he's not going to be. I, I I can I can guarantee it. Yeah, no matter what team he goes to, no matter what team he goes to, he'll he'll um. Now it depends on his fit. If if a guy is trying to send him deep all the time and, and win 50-50 balls, and that's their fault. You you want him as an intermediate to short guy who's going to run good routes. Now, can he get vertical? Yes, but you want to take advantage of his route running. He he'll be flexed into the slot and things like that. He can win outside as well. But um, moving on, uh, this is me, uh, Joe at Jets Joe seventy three. What are the key traits? Uh, Greg Williams looks for in a corner. Um, yeah. Oh, he said if they're passive in the run game, are they a no go for him? I think he likes physical players. He likes guys who can get up in your face. He likes tough guys who can who can get involved um, in the run game in blitzes. I, I think he likes smart guys. From what I was seeing, I would see a lot of trap coverages and palms and things like that where they're getting asked to read the two to one and the one to two and all these different things. So I, I think he likes physical tough guys who are smart i don't think it's necessarily you need guys who can run four three forties and things like that um guys with long arms who can press you and are smart guys is what is what i would say if they're a passive in the run game he's definitely not going to 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 love you because you look at the jets corners even roberts who is bad he was pretty involved in the run game at times uh uh yeah he's a tough little guy Roberts. he, he was he would throw his head in there and and, and force players inside uh, Poole is obviously a really physical corner. Desir is a guy who will miss a tackle or two because of technique, but he'll throw his head in there for sure. So he likes he likes those guys. And forgive me for mentioning this name because I know he's public enemy number Buster one. Screen? Jets mine. N- no, oh. no, damn it. Tremaine Johnson was with Greg Williams in in St. Louis back at the time, mm-hmm. and back when Tremaine Johnson was actually decent to good. You know, he was also a tough son of a bitch in the run game. Yeah, for sure. You know? So and he was smart yeah. too. That's why he that's why he got his money. He was a smart player. Yeah, I mean, his his interception, his interceptions that you saw Tremaine Johnson get were not Darrell Rivas types interceptions where Rivas is shadowing the guy and then just he runs the route better than the receiver and picks the ball off. That's a Rivas interception. A Tremaine Johnson interception is like when they played the Titans, not last year but the year before. Oh, he, that bubble screw that bubble. He's just he's just in the right place at the right time, you yeah. know, because yeah. he read things right. Yeah, so I, I Williams, tough, smart guys who will get in your face and, you know, give you a quick jam off the line of scrimmage. And yeah, who can, who can trap, you know, Kathy. Um, Matt Bowen's got a good article on trap coverages. If you guys want to learn um, cover six, Kathy, Matt Bowen, Google it. You'll find it. Yeah. I think because Matt Bowen used to play for Greg Williams back in the day. Yeah. Um, moving on to the eighth question. Uh, what specific attributes separate your wide receiver one offensive tackle one from the other prospects at their respective positions? Can you read that for me one more time, please? What specific attributes separate your wide receiver one and offensive tackle one from other prospects at their respective positions? Um, so if you have Wills one, what separates him from the other three guys? And if you have Judy one, what separates him from, from Ruggs, Lamb, 
type deal. So for, for me, the biggest thing is technique. I will take a high floor guy. Let's just start with offensive line. I'll take a high floor guy versus a high ceiling guy any day. Because like I said, with offensive line, there are so many tackle prospects that bust out. I mean, Jets fans were in love with uh, this freaking guy from Ohio State plays for the Lions now. What the hell is his name? He's the guy who uh, tore Jalen Smith's knee. I don't know. I forget his name. You, you don't know his name because he sucks in the NFL. <laughs> okay, there you go. But, but he, was, he went to like 20th overall or whatever it was, and that was around the time that the Jets could have potentially drafted him or whatever. Taylor Decker, I think his name is. Um, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of tackle prospects that flame out. Um, so for me, like, even if you, it's hard to really get your hands on an elite tackle, there's only so many of them that are really, really good year in, year out. But if you can get a guy who's like above average year in, year out, like that does wonders for your team. Like Eric Fisher of the chiefs, he was a first overall draft pick. Now, a lot of people say like, oh, well, you know, he's not that great of a player for the first overall pick. Yeah, but a left tackle guy who's pretty good every year, like that's really, really, really valuable to the Chiefs. It's really valuable to the Chiefs offense. So for me, I want a guy like I'd, – I'd rather take a guy, and I get it. With the Jets scheme, it's a little bit different. Wills, to me, he's, he's already so technically refined. He is athletic. His technique is head and shoulders above someone like um, definitely Becton, and even worse for that matter, especially in pass pro. Mm-hmm. So that's for me the biggest reason why I'll take Kim. He doesn't have, like, he doesn't have super great length, and his height six four. That's actually short for a tackle. That's below average height for an offensive tackle. But technique is there, and to me, I want someone who's also going to be good in both aspects, run and pass pro. And he is that. So technique is definitely one, and I guess the ability to be both good in pass and run. So those are the biggest separators, I guess, for me. Um, I, I do worry a little bit about Triff's, uh, Tristan Wirfs and Pass Pro. Yeah, and I, it, I, I literally share my screen with you. Um, it doesn't really matter. But the first thing I wrote for both of them, because they said tackle and, and, uh, and receiver, um, is technique. I, that's the, first, I, the only thing I wrote down was technique um because that translates you know like i said yak doesn't translate power doesn't translate there's times where becton has that that upper body lower body disconnection and he throws a guy who, who's 230 pounds um from a school in the middle of nowhere who nobody knows about where can he do that versus the eagles outside linebacker or you know you know what i'm saying so uh it's the technical aspect judy is the best technical player um, plus he's a good athlete and then wills is by far the best technical player and he's athletic too like yeah he, you know he might not be the tallest guy but he's he could fold those guys and he's pretty athletic as well so it's not like he's a bad athlete but it just gets overshadowed and, and if if he was to have the combine he did this year and a year where there wasn't guys like Werfs and becton people would be talking about how good his combine was so it's just that you have two freaks with him but he's he's athletic and he's super technical. He's a really good he's, – he's good in, ter- in terms of that. So I would say technique over everything because the other stuff, the size, the jump balls, the, the yak is all – it's a hard – it's a hard projection. It's a lot of guys – why a lot of guys bust out. So technique is something you can go back to. Um, yeah, it's either good um, or it's bad. If I can comment a little bit on the receiver thing, I must say like early, early on you, – you definitely uh, played a big role in convincing me otherwise. Um, Initially, I was a little bit higher on Lamb. I think I had Lamb, like, number one in my mind for a while. Uh, I don't watch a lot of college football, at least not live. I watch more during draft season. But I'm a University of Texas football fan like Scott Mason. And I remember watching the Oklahoma, the Red River shootout live. And Lamb had just some ridiculous catches. And then 
broken tackles against our, our supposedly good defense. And I remember him wrecking us. And I was like, well, this kid, you know, that elevated him a lot in my mind. Mm-hmm. But after watching your film breakdown and stuff, I mean, I think a lot of that was just poor tackling. And you don't necessarily know if that is going to replicate. It's not going to replicate. Like, we, you know that, that people like to tweet out that still frame shot where there's like five Texas defenders within an arm's length of CeeDee Lamb. And none of them brought him down. And then he ran for like 15 more yards, 20 more yards for a touchdown. That's not going to happen in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, what is more translatable to the NFL? Good route running. I must say, though, and then this, this goes back to the whole deck analogy that you mentioned before. There is a part of me that is not going to be mad necessarily. I, I can't be mad. I could be a little disappointed or want something different. I but think this is the play. This is the play. This is definitely okay. the play. The flea flicker one. Yeah. Like it, here, I, I want you to pause it. Like, oh, not, no. yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Like, like now. Yeah, that shit. He's going down in the NFL. He's not going for a touchdown in the NFL right here. No, it's, it's you have you have a bunch of terrible angles. Um, obviously, this guy needs to maintain more outside leverage as he breaks outside. This yeah. guy is a piss poor tackle attempt. Like, it's, yeah, what it's, is that? It's not going to happen in the NFL like this. It's just not. And, he, and if, if he was a big guy, like 215, 220, 225, more like a LaVisca Chenault body, then sure. But he's, look how he's, he's lanky. Like, he's not a big guy. He's not. He might play no. with an aggressive mindset, but aggressive mindset only gets you so far. You know? So, I, will say, I will say that I do think you are downplaying his, his ability to go up and get balls a little uh, bit. I think, and, I, and I'll admit to that, um, from what I saw from the broadcast angle, I didn't see a lot of it. There's games I didn't watch, and there's cutups I did not see. So was that there? It could be. Did I see it? No. So okay, fair. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, if if he, uh, hopefully he's not the pick, but if he is, no. with some of this film that you just got your hands on, you'll be able to maybe I don't know, maybe find a little bit more uh, what you're looking for. And what I was gonna say is, I don't, I I will not be mad. I might be a little disappointed, and I'm definitely gonna be questioning it in the back of my mind. If we draft rugs at eleven. I can't be mad with that. I won't be happy. You won't be happy. No. Nope. Okay. I, it, and this goes back to the whole deck analogy thing. I don't, I mean, like he is different than Tyreek Hill in a sense, but, and, and Tyreek Hill is not the best receiver. Don't misunderstand anyone who's listening to what I'm saying in the NFL, but he might be, the, you can make an argument that he's the best weapon in the NFL. Why was Robbie Anderson, one of his biggest, he didn't get a thousand yards argument. Because the Jets didn't have protection to pass to him. You're, now you're looking at a guy who's going to be primarily a deep threat. He could do some other things, but primarily one of those deep He can threat. do a lot of other things. You're, you can't run a bubble screen to Robbie Anderson. You're not going to run an end around yes, to Robbie Anderson. I, I'd rather have a guy – because, again, Yak, is that translatable? Yes, the speed will translate, but how much – okay, he won't break out 80, 90-yard touchdowns as much as he did at Bama. One, he was the third receiver in his own offense. Two, the Yak isn't as translatable. And with a bad offensive line, I cannot justify taking him over and and over a guy even like Judy who will get open in two seconds versus rugs. You, how many bubble screens can you run in a game? Type deal. I I, I agree with you. Like I think like on on my in terms of my board, he's not there either. But I think that I do think that you're downplaying his impact on the offense. To even think this guy would be much more valuable to a Jets offense than Robbie Anderson. Let's rugs? just be honest. And yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Unbelievably more valuable to – I mean, you look at all the different ways that the Chiefs utilize Tyreek Hill. 
what well, if he makes that transition to Tyreek Hill? There's plenty of guys who bust out. But he he's better than he's a better prospect than Tyreek Hill. This guy goes up and gets the ball much better than Tyreek yes. Hill does. Yeah, no, I like him, but Bert, and he goes up and has pretty strong hands. He had like what uh, two drops last year. I like him, but I with the Jets already having a speed threat and in Perryman, I think it's much more important to get a guy like Judy or like. So I wouldn't hate agree agree drugs, but you cannot justify him over Lamb or or Judy or a tackle to me. There's just no way. Um, but I'm with you. I'm with you. And one of the things, and I always hear this argument. I want to get this your opinion quickly. I, I might have to actually pause it, like I thought spoke about in a couple of seconds. Sure, here, Kyle. So we'll we'll pause that. From we're done with this. The whole left tackle versus right tackle thing with Wills. Left tackle has slight bit more importance because it's the blind side, but right tackle is freaking important too. You face the best rushers on the right side. Historically, all the guys on the left side are, are the better rushers than than playing. Uh, as a right end, right outside linebacker. So you're facing the better guys, mostly in the NFL. And yeah, left tackle is a slight bit more important. People are like, oh, we can't draft Wills. He's a right tackle. We need him to play left tackle. Do it, And people, oh, well, it's easily translatable to left to the right. Start eating with your left hand. Start shooting with your left hand. Start throwing a football with your left hand. Start doing all that stuff off your, off your left foot. You know, there's, there's a, there's, it's, it's not as easy as a transition as people make it seem to be. Could he? Maybe. But if he's a, if he's a pro ball right tackle, how important is Lane Johnson to the Eagles? You know, how are all important all of these good right tackles to their team? So I, I don't think it's like such a bad thing. Mitchell Schwartz, tackle. you could argue Mitchell Schwartz was the best tackle in the entire league. There's plenty of guys. Uh, everybody's clamoring over over uh, Jack Conklin. He's a right tackle. Like right tackle is really important. Left tackle is a little, a little bit more important. But yeah, and, yeah, of course. Right tackle is great. And people forget to what was the reason why Jedrick played on the right side? Tool was side, a lefty. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, that was partly by design, too. But, yeah, that argument's bad. It's, it's really bad for several reasons. Also, listen, if you're, a def- if you're a smart defensive coordinator like Greg Williams and you know you got a good edge rusher and you know that one team's got a, a pretty good tackle on one side and you know they got a dog shit tackle on the other side, aren't you going to be smart and exploit that matchup? It's not about, like, hey, listen, you know, like, yeah, good players, in a sense, do like going against other good players because it proves how good they are. But if you're a defensive coordinator, you want to exploit the weakness. Let me put my great rusher against this shitty pass protector because I know it's going to result in pressures and sacks and potentially forced yeah. fumbles. Yeah. You know, so if, if you have a weakness on either side, best believe it's going to be exploited. And that happens now more than it did um, in previous years, you know, 10, 20 years ago or whatever. And, like, yeah, like I said, like, you know, Jedrick is athletic enough that you could definitely put him on the left side. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know this information because I haven't watched Fant, but isn't Fant more comfortable on the left side? So taking someone like Wills, yeah. you know, then you put Fant at the position where he's already more comfortable at. Correct. When, so, he, was playing, when he was playing better in 2019, he was on the left side. True Madoga is the opposite, but we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, I'm going to pause it real quick, Kyle. All right, next question, um, number nine, uh, Jason Fernandez at underscore Jason, T-A-V-E-I-R-A. Who are your favorite day two O-linemen in the draft aside from the top four plus Josh Jones and Austin Jackson? Again, this is just based on what I'm hearing because I didn't watch a lot on any of these guys or any on most of these guys. Um, Lucas uh, Niang from TCU, uh, Austin Jackson, uh, oh, you already mentioned that. So, uh, Nang and I guess Prince Tego Wanahu or whatever his name is. Uh, Caesar Ruiz from Michigan's a guy. Uh, Matt T- Matt, Matt Hennessy. The only guy I've really seen any extended action on was uh, Prince Tego Wanago or whatever. 
uh, because I watched – who did I watch play him? I watched one of the games against Auburn. I was watching a outside linebacker or something. Maybe, maybe it was against Chase on. Yeah, I think it was against Chase on. I was relatively impressed. So those are some of the names you can look at. But, again, some of these guys cannot be scheme fits for the Jets. Some of them could have injury concerns. Like, there's a bunch of things. Austin Jackson and even, even in Josh Jones are guys who they're saying are athletic enough but I believe it was Josh Jones when he played all the, all the upper tier rushers coming out of college, he got dominated in every game. So like, is he a guy that you want to take in round two and pass on the receiver? Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, Nyang, all those guys might go early second or even late first as well. So that's a big risk to me to not take a tackle. Um, if, if that's kind of what you're thinking um, in terms of, oh, take a receiver, take one of those guys. A lot of those guys might not be available. Uh, I know Ruiz won't be. Austin Jackson won't be. Uh, Nyang won't be, Josh Jones won't be. So the, like you're, then you're going to like your your seventh, eighth option at tackle to start. Uh, it's a risky game to me. So those are some of the guys I've been hearing, but I don't, again, I don't really, I can't speak too much on them. My internet uh, crapped out for a moment, so I, I missed some of what you said. Um, okay, I heard. I think I heard you talking about how Josh Jones got dominated by against some upper echelon competition. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't speak about any of those guys, uh, and I kind of like the way that you do things like you're more of a quality over quantity person you know like when you delve into a a prospect or a draftee you know him really well because you've watched you know pretty much everything you can get your hands on and you've watched it with a really sharp eye if you're evaluating 200 to 300 draft prospects there's no way even a full-time utilize, job, there's no way yeah you got to utilize your time a certain way and it's not your full-time job so mm-hmm. you know not that second, I mean, second or third round is pretty reasonable to get, I guess, get into some of those guys, but yeah. it's just not my thing. I'd rather, you know, watch scheme or something like that. And once I know who the players are, then just kind of dive into them. So I, I couldn't even answer that right now. But, uh, you know, once they do draft them and getting to watch the film, then, you know, I could comment more. Same with you. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of people who you'd ask this question to be completely honest and would Google it and then write down their strengths and weaknesses and tell you that I'm not going to do that. It's it's I, like I said, I, I think it's irresponsible to do that, especially if people do respect my opinion. I'm not going to just say, oh yeah, I really like you know uh, Austin Jackson's feet, but his punch is too wide. Like I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a risky game. I, offensive tackle round one is still what I'm going to say. Um, Robert Lee again at Jets Bomb 2004 got three questions in. I think that's all he got. Um, am I the only one who's afraid of, oh, by the way, something I didn't talk about before that you mentioned, we we're talking about Becton and just came on now. One thing that concerns me with Becton in terms of his top uh, tackle guys, how many guys who are that big really avoid injuries when you're talking about your joints and all that stuff, taking on 370 pounds, it concerns me. Yeah, that is a good point. That is a really good point. I, I thought about the other day. I was like, how many guys like you, and, this, and you know, this, you know, you're, you're not a stupid guy, guys who are bigger to tend to deteriorate quicker uh, quickly and even like things like their their organs like their hearts they have to work harder they die quicker your body your your joints and all, all of that in your body are not made to carry that much weight that much size so he concerns me of okay he might be great for a couple of years is he going to be healthy his fifth sixth seventh year consistently i don't know that's another question for him that's why he's my number four that's just something i wanted to note because it's, it's literally something i was laying in bed the other night it's like that's that doesn't sound good i know you don't hear a lot of guys who are 370 pounds I would say that would be a very, very, very minor thing to look at in your evaluation of a prospect, especially if he hasn't already shown an injury history. I'd be much more concerned with a player who already has shown yeah. injury history. No, it's just something I noted. Because, but listen, he's yeah. 22, whatever now. What is he going to be like when he's 27 playing in six years off of those knees and stuff? Are they gonna, is there going to be cartilage there? Stuff like, stuff like that. Like, I don't know. 
there's not really a good example in recent history to point to a, a that freakishly size and athleticism. Jonathan Ogden, right? Ogden and Orlando Pace. But those guys yeah. you're talking, you're going back decades ago. And I don't know what they're – I don't think they were consistently injured. I don't know that. I'm pretty sure – I think Ogden played oh, or maybe a little over 10 years, maybe 11, 12 years. Yeah. You know, he, he probably still could have – I think he was one of those guys who kind of retired but still had some left in the tank. Yeah. Kind of like how Frederick just retired. He had some left in the tank. Who's another like Darrell Revis. <laughs> yeah, not like him. There was another good lineman that recently retired. Yonda. Yonda yeah. recently retired. Yeah. He, he, he had a couple more good seasons. I know a, Jets, a couple of Jets fans were hoping that he maybe, you know, one more year could come to the Jets. Yeah. Um, but um, it, is, it is something to note. That is a good point. I didn't even think of um, that. But going on with the question, I don't, I don't know why – it just popped in my mind, um, but it's something I was laying about. I was like, what the – that's – I don't know. So, Robert Lee at Jets Bump 2004, am I the only one who is afraid of the Jets drafting Becton? Uh, why is everyone dropping Thomas after years of production versus top talent? Uh, even on tape, Becton looks lumbering and dominating lesser people. What are your thoughts on that? Lumbering? I don't I, see that. I don't see that at all. He, uh, he hustles, whistle to whistle. He's a finisher. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah, who sent out a tweet the other day, he said, like, you know, out of all the prospects that I've evaluated, I can't, you know, really think of many better finishers. And supposedly they got this new offensive line coach who also was at NC State, Coach Garrett Bradbury, prior to that. And one of the things that he really emphasized was finishing. And you could see a difference in Mekhi Beckton's tape from 18 to 19 in terms of just his finishing. But he is a finisher. So lumbering, yeah. I don't see that at all. And he, and he moves good. So lumbering i don't see that but in terms of concerns we've already expressed some here's one we haven't expressed yet and it's minor in my mind but then it, it and it's minor for a certain reason all uh, right but but it's still some cause for concern and i think scott mason downplayed this makai beckton tested positive for marijuana at the, at the combine was it 100 marijuana or was it a different do we know exactly what oh, it was? I, don't, I don't know i i thought that's what i read maybe i read it wrong yeah now, i, think, yeah, I don't sure. i personally i don't care Obviously, the country has moved towards yep. legalization yep. and decriminalization all throughout the country. Mm-hmm. I don't care if someone uses weed. Do I think that uh, an adult <laughs> you're using- such a you're such an old? I don't care if somebody uses weed. <laughs> no, let, let me finish. All right, I'm not even talking, uh, I'm not coming from it a moralistic standpoint or anything like that. Light of a blunt. Come on, give me something. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I, I don't even think like. Listen, <clears throat> hey, listen. Joe Rogan smokes on his podcast all the time. And he's a, pretty, he's a pretty productive guy putting out all those podcast episodes, doing UFC commentating, training in the gym, black belts in martial art. He's a pretty productive guy, family man. Yeah. All right, reads books and stuff. What I'm saying is the, the reality is, is the NFL will suspend guys who keep doing that. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. Who cares if the guy likes weed? I don't care. I don't think it makes him a bad person or anything like that. But I don't want a guy who's getting suspended. Josh Gordon had a, 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 a he had a good yeah. amount of talent. It's, you know, he had, but he can't put the blunt down. Yeah, it's so the thing. Suspended. The thing with that is to and listen, and I'm not going to get all into this. I think legalizing would be smart. One and two. There's no way to convince me that's worse than 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 drinking alcohol. I've done both plenty when yeah. I was in high school. Agreed. It's not worse than drinking alcohol, but. Um, the thing with that is like you're saying, I don't have a problem with weed. I have a problem with him smoking weed or whatever he's doing near the combine when he knows he's going to the biggest interview of his life. He's going to get tested. So that's dumb. It's the dumb part of it that bothers me. Listen, I work at a job where I can't wear a white undershirt. Do, is it a stupid rule? Is it illegal? Uh, well, yes and no. 
but it's something I have to do or I get suspended or I get yelled at. So I wear freaking black t-shirts. You can't smoke weed. You can't smoke weed. Like you can't do it. So it's dumb. It's a dumb decision by him to, to do whatever he was doing. So that's the concern. It's not about the actual action where people, oh, well, who cares about weed? It's, 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 the, it's the guy doing the action to get himself suspended. It's a dumb move. It's just dumb. Yeah. You, out of all the times in his entire life, his entire life, that you is don't the want to window. be smoking weed. You yes. don't want to be doing it then. That is the window, whatever it is. It takes, what, 30 days to get out of your system? It depends on like your that. body body weight and your fat. Okay. That, yeah. A month, two months, three months, whatever. That, those period of months should be the time when he should be most vigilant about not doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And he, didn't, he did it. So, you know, shoot. Like, someone like Joe Douglas, who apparently puts a high emphasis on character, that should raise maybe a red flag. It, it, it raises a slight one. Listen, like I said, uh, I got to shine my boots. If I don't shine my boots, I get yelled at. Is it illegal to not shine your boots? No, but it's, it's a job. You're making millions of dollars. Don't smoke freaking weed for three months of the year. Just like the NFL, they tell you they're going to test you from this time or this time. If you don't get flagged for it, you can smoke weed nine months out of the year. Marcus Coleman has attested to that. You just don't do it during those couple months and you're good. Especially for athletes, like, like it depends on, obviously linemen have more fat, so it sticks to your fat cells. If you're a, like, it's like a more muscular guy, you don't have a lot of fat for the stick to like Josh Gordon, he was doing it like weeks before he was getting tested. Like you could do it. There's guys, you could smoke weed once and a week later not get tested positive because if you're only doing it once, it doesn't have a lot of chance to stick to the cells, but all that stuff. Um, I don't want to get all to that. It's just dumb. Let's just say that. So, so I'm concerned by the talent. Uh, in terms of the talent, like, okay, yeah, his technique was, was shoddy and he dominated guys for 230 pounds from schools you've never heard of at times. So that's a concern. The weed thing is a concern. And like I said, the injuries, I don't know how – it's not a problem yet. It might be, though. That's a thing I thought of. So um, now would I take him at 11 with saying that? Yes. <laughs> so um, it's just those are things to note. Again, it's not the action of smoking weed. It's how dumb can you be during that time. It's, it's dumb. Um, okay, so next one uh, at – I pronounce this once uh, correctly, and now I always have pressure to, to pronounce it correctly. Uh, Anil Ramlakhan, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, at Elvis Jets 85. Uh, what do you think is the ideal mix of receivers in, uh, in Adam Gase's offense? Uh, is it guys who get open quickly, big guys who can make contested catches, fast guys who can get yak? Um, I think you kind of outlined the three prototypes you want in offense you can have three prototypes uh he's he's horizontal spacing get guys open in space um type of offensive coordinator in, in my opinion at least so you want the shifty guys who can run routes over anything but ideally you want all three you have the speed guy in Perriman, the contested catch guy in Perriman. judy would be the, the the route runner along with crowder so maybe you know rugs could fit because he'd be the yak guy that they don't necessarily have you know obviously assuming quincy Numa is not healthy which i think would be a correct assumption um but i would say he he the prototype he likes is the guys who are shifty. You can get open and create some yak because that's a lot of what he does where he, he, he layers guys um, on the field where there's a lot of yak opportunities where he's not really like an isolation type guy, like a um, Mike McCarthy is where he does a lot of isolation routes. He has a lot of concepts that are layered. So that's what I would say. Yeah. I think that, I think part of the reason that the Jets offense struggled um, so much was they didn't have a, uh, a good yak option and Quincy and Nunwa going down week one really hurt them in that regard. Yeah. So they could definitely, and I think Adam Gase really likes, I mean like the whole plan. And when Albert Wilson went to the dolphins, he was pretty effective before he tore his knee up. He's never been the same player since then. 
But that that signing had Adam Gase's hands written all over it. Um, and back before Dem- I mean, Demarius Thomas, like when I was watching the Jets film this year, one like, dude, he really. He, I'm not saying he's a horrible player at this point in his career, but he really lost a step. Like, I mean, he used to be yeah. able to get yak. He does not have that anymore. He goes down pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Adam Gase used to run a lot of screens with with Demarius Thomas back in Denver, and Demarius Thomas would take them to the house many times. Um, the Jets definitely need a good yak player, and I think that uh, Gase emphasizes that a lot. And we just don't have that at all right now. Well, I mean, per- I mean, I guess Perriman could could maybe factor, in, and I don't know about a new one, but adding I'd say if they're missing guys, one thing in their offense that he wants, it's it's yak because they have the route runner in Crowder, they have the deep guy in Perriman. I think they're missing the yak guy. Um, even though I would still prefer Judy, who is less of a yak guy than Lamb and Rugs, but Judy's underrated in that aspect as well. Um, but I, I think it's a yak guy that they're truly missing. So if you see like maybe Chenault slipped, then maybe they really do like look to to add him. Minus, you know, depending on his injury concerns and things like that. Hey Joe, um, can, before we move on, if I, if I can, and tell me if you don't want to go super in depth in this topic, um, I think there's an unfair amount of criticism about Adam Gase's offense. We and talked I'm about not it before. A, yeah, we talked about that before. He he wasn't working with a lot this year. Yeah, I know, but I feel like people just like his his whole tenure in Miami and. And I know that we kind of praised it when I went on your show last last year, about nine, ten months ago, whatever it was, and we talked about his offense. I'm just I'm still watching the film the past couple of days, and I don't think I'm not going to act like his offense is great and like he's not making mistakes. Like he really pissed. They were in the red zone against the Dolphins, and it was a third and four. And you know your offense can't move anybody run blocking, and they ran a, a draw yeah. to Bell. That yeah. pissed me off. Like there are certain. There are certain questionable calls at time, but in terms of scheme, I don't feel like it's bad. There were players getting open. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Donald didn't have the time to get it, and sometimes Donald made boneheaded mistakes or whatever. But I feel like he is scheming guys open. I this feel is a discussion like, you cannot have on Twitter. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. He's public enemy number one, and I get it. He is kind of a douchey guy. For sure. Let's just be honest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's me and my wife when we were watching um we were watching some one jets drive like she just got some she didn't even like she never read the reports or the you know people clowning him on twitter and stuff but just got bad vibes about him like just from the way he's talking and stuff but i don't think his offense is that bad and i feel like if you do get players that fit the things that he wants to do which mm-hmm. i think that douglas you know is going to be much better at doing that than McCagna. i think you can see a, a a decently good offense especially if they get the offensive line solved to be yeah, to be quick on this, one in Miami, he had he had Tannehill for like half the games he could have. Two, there were say what you want about Tannehill. Tannehill is protected by the Tennessee offense. I watched Tennessee Tennessee offense when when he, uh, Conklin was was there, and he there's a lot of guys wide open or or getting yak in that offense. So and behind Derrick Henry, so there's a reason they didn't throw the ball in the playoffs a lot. And Tannehill's um, shoulder was injured his last year in Miami, not the case there was last year. Plenty of time you can go back with TOJ film room Adam Gase. And watch me break down his offense. There was there was plays where I, I broke it down with Marcus Coleman, who said if he even if he knew the call, he wouldn't know how, or he knew the play. You can see the play. He wouldn't know what call he would he would have to defend that play because that's how that's how good some of the play call was. Now there's problems. Yeah, he's a little bit of a dick. Yeah, he should have that, that third and four draw play. No way that should that work. Did I want him to see get the Sam Darnold more in play action and bootlegs and things like that? Yes, I would. Um, you also, also more in the quick game too. Yeah. 
Darnold is really good at like running an RPO and pulling the ball really quick and, and just getting it out super quick. He's a quick release. Yeah. So there's some things I would change about him, but people, Oh my God, he's the worst offensive quarter in the league. Look at, look at what Belichick did with, 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 uh, with Matt Castle and all this stuff. That's a completely different story than Luke Falk and David Fales with the worst offensive line in the league, both run blocking and pass block. So I hear a lot of people say how piss poor the offense was, but he had a bat, he had practice squad quarterbacks for a month with no offensive line. So like, don't, I, I'm not a, a Adam Gase stan, but he deserves more credit than he does. Now I wish he changed his front office stuff and stop being such a prick, but in terms of scheming, he, his schemes are good. Like he has plenty of good schemes. So. Yeah, and, like, I don't understand. Like, some people said, oh, Jeremy Bates was better at developing Darnold. I don't see that at all. Dude, it's, it, they look at stats. They look at stats and all this yeah, stuff. this is coming from a very well-respected person that works on this stuff full-time, works well, in the football world. And I'm not going to say names or whatever to try to call someone out or whatever. I don't get that. I don't see that. I would love a further explanation on well that. Well-respected by other, – other, other than the stats. Well-respected by who is my question with that. But I'll Well-respected by about. many, many, many. Uh, that's, can, their, that's their fault. I can give you the name, too. If you want I know to you will after the show. Um, so next uh, – but, yeah, quickly, he, he gets more – he gets shit on more than he should. He, he, if he has a good offense, good offensive line, I think he could do somewhere. I don't think his scheme is so bad. It's just not. Um, next question, uh, Charm and Philip at Charm Phil three four one. What are your thoughts on this corner class, and why do you think it's not a bigger need <clears throat> in fans' minds? Uh, that's you, Kyle. I'll, I'll just, I don't know why it's not a bigger need. I think the Jets played a lot of in terms of fans' minds. They played a lot of bad quarterbacks, so it was disguised. Uh, Greg Williams is a great defensive. He's a good defensive corner. I wouldn't call him great, so he hit it well. Um, but they need corner. It's a dire need. Uh, I don't think it's super top heavy. Like you have, uh, I always blank. I don't know why I cannot remember the top guy's name. I, I don't know why. Oh, uh, Okuda. I, Jeff Okuda. I don't know why I can't remember his name. Jeff Okuda is not going to fall. Because you're, you're not breaking him down. Yeah. Uh, Henderson. You know he's, not, he's not going out. He's I think not going to be there at 11. Henderson could be an option, but he's not going to be for the Jets. And then other than that, I don't really know. I think there are some guys who, who could be decent in the third or fourth round just based on what I've seen and heard. But uh, I'm not too sure. It's not, it's not a super thin class, I'll say that. So I think they can get a guy in the third, fourth round who I might be happy with. Um, but it's not a bigger need in fans' minds because fans are super stat-driven and broadcast-angle-driven where they yes. didn't see how bad the corners were. They, didn't, they, didn't, they, don't, they don't take into effect that we were playing even guys like Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and uh, whoever Hodges from the Steelers. When they play guys this year – you know, even like Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Russell Wilson, it's going to show up. I can guarantee it's going to show up. It's a major need right now. Yeah. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good, but Russell Wilson. Neither do I. I, I just started thinking really of the, AFC, the, the NFC was a West. Um, I think it's a West. So, yeah, there's, they're, they're, they play some good uh, quarterbacks this year. But, but Ky- Kyler Murray, though, he's pretty good. Uh, he has – and they got they – got, they fleeced the Texans. So, would that you, would you, to – would you? I wanted to ask you this question. Would you no. take? Ky, would you take Kyler Murray over Donald? No. Would you take Joe Burrow over Donald? I would. Oh, I, I definitely would. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I know he's older. That's the one thing that still kind of gives me some hope about Donald. I just hope we're not ruining the kid, man. Like you said, you sort of hear footsteps. That's something you can't get rid of. They need to protect him. People, oh well, just get a receiver. He doesn't have a number one. If he doesn't have time to throw the ball, it's going to ruin him. It's going to ruin him. So they need a. They need a. a offensive yeah, like I, I feel like he's pretty good at dealing with pressure, but like he was under so much pressure in that like 
I, I feel like, and this, I could be wrong with this assessment. I feel like I saw him get rattled within specific games. Like in that Patriots game, towards the end of the yeah. game, he was so rattled. Yeah, he was. But I, I, he, I would see him bounce back, though, in a future week. Like yeah, I, the, I the following week, he bounces back. It's, it's snowballs that's encur- for him that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. But, but you, I, I, at some point, there might be a breaking point for the kid where he just loses confidence. I mean, the kid is ultra confident. Some of the windows he tries to throw to and sometimes does throw into, sometimes for good and for, and for ill, huh? The Ravens game, the, cor- the corner of the end zone. With, oh, uh, my God, yeah. I was just watching the Giants game before we got on, and like the, the one pass that he threw to Crowder on a curl route where he threaded it right in between Jabril Peppers, and Peppers almost got two hands on it, but picked What is a perfect throw, though. I mean, there are some throws that are just like, wow. And, like, you know, sometimes he throws off balance and makes his, these nice throws. He's super confident, but you just hope that confidence doesn't go down the drain because once – if it if it does, can it's he ever get, get it back. back? It's hard to get yeah. back. Yeah. But, um, but he is still young, though. I mean, like – He's, so that's he's, he's younger than Burrow still. So let's let's give him. I heard people giving up on Darnold. If he when he has time to throw and guys are getting open, he makes those throws. Like, yeah, he'll make a stupid thing. He'll make a stupid play where he's throwing off his back foot and into into double coverage and things like that. That he needs to eliminate or throwing the ball out of bounds or um, just take the sack. Like there's some things he needs to do, but he's not. He doesn't play under. He's not scared. He does not play scared too much. Like it. it we got we got to say. But moving on because we we got about a half an hour left. Um, uh, in Joey D, we trust at NYJ underscore News Empire. Do you think people will start to th- view Sam- <laughs> literally just question about Sam Darnold? Uh, do you think people will start to view Sam Darnold as a very good co- a young quarterback once he gets some offensive line help or receiver help? Only asking because every other fan base seems to perceive him as a very bad quarterback. Yes, they have the, they had the worst offensive line when he played with a good offensive line, like I just said, or, or line that blocked. Um, in certain games, he looked very, very good. Look at the look at the game against the Redskins. Look at the game, um, even against Baltimore, where he didn't have time. He looked good. Look at the game against the Packers, the Texans, the Cowboys. Like, there's plenty of games where you're like, "Holy crap, this is the future." He just needs to eliminate some of the bad games, and that will come when he has more trust in his offensive line and can and can step into throws when he has confidence in those guys. When you're consistently getting hit, it's hard to produce. So I think yes, if they get that help. Because guys are stat driven. Oh, look at his stats. Oh my God, stats. And even going back to USC, I mean, like he he didn't have great coaching there. Like he he's and he's still like he hasn't even been playing the position for that long. And when he started playing as a sophomore in high school, yeah, because he yeah, he yeah he wasn't one of these kids that was raised. You know, comes from super wealthy parents like Josh Rosen is playing quarterback from the moment that you know that they could basically throw the ball. That wasn't him. Yeah. Um. Even though I guess his parents are I guess you know decently affluent. I don't know, but that's not the point. Um. The point is he hasn't been playing quarterback for that long. Anyway, um, I think fans from other fan bases are right to perceive him as not such a great quarterback because at this point, he's not. He just isn't. Let's be real, Jets fans. I know a lot of Jets fans will hate me for saying that. He needs a lot of work. His I hate you work, for saying that. His footwork <laughs> is still really sloppy. I got to be honest. It's Steps in the really, bucket all the time. It's really disgusting at times. Yeah. And he, and he, know, he knows – he knows that he has this innate ability, which other guys just don't have, where he can throw from a muddy pocket, where he keeps his feet. He keeps both feet on the ground and will throw, not even pointing in the direction. And somehow the ball still gets there sometimes, but other times it doesn't. He knows he can do that, but sometimes he relies on it too much. Yeah. He needs to work on that. And, you know, sometimes he's, his, his reading of coverages is a little off too sometimes. Like he does throw with anticipation. He throws with confidence but he needs to get better at reading defenses too. 
And luckily, he's yeah. still young, and, and he, I think he works hard at his craft. So that's something that can develop as well. If you were to get, tell me right now that the Jets for the next two years have a decent offensive line, deep, decent weapons, I think people start to view him as a, as a top 15, top 10 quarterback. That's just my opinion. I have a lot of faith in the kid. You, uh, thought, you thought this year that he could be in the top 10 discussion, which I was not very confident in that. Uh, he needs help. He needs a lot of help. He needs a lot of help. Please, that, that Joe Douglas, help this kid. Please. Listen, Russell Wilson can do it. Russell Wilson's a different story than Sam Donald coming out of USC. You know, different story. So, uh, moving on. Uh, Day, uh, I know you're, you might have commented, but uh, Damon uh, at quicker than fast. Hopefully, I'm not too late, Joe. If the Jets, which are not, uh, if the Jets take one of the big four offensive linemen, uh, do you think wide receiver Pitt, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Van Jefferson are good fits for Adam Gates' offensive scheme? Uh, that's for you, Kyle. Sure, why not? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I got. We got to dive more into him. Pittman, deep ball guy, could be a red zone guy. Uh, you said you liked him. Van Jefferson's a good route runner. Uh, Adam Gase's values. He values good route runners and guys who are where they're expected to be when they're expected to be there. So I would say I haven't. Yes. I haven't watched a lot of Van Jefferson. I saw him in the when they faced LSU. He had a really sweet move on the LSU cornerback uh, in the end zone to score a touchdown. My, really, my, really smooth. My really only worry is isn't he's like 23, 24 years old. And yeah, he's had some he's, injury concerns. He's gonna, be, he's gonna be 24 in July. So that's a, injuries, that, that's yeah that's that that right there in my opinion. But I I I'd be hesitant on taking him in the second round, maybe a third. All right. Next question. Um, the real stats at the real stats uh, is your pick Judy at 11. If he's there, we, again, some of these, some of these topics are just, you can just skip over that one. Yeah. Well, Oh, we're recording by the way. <laughs> you can just, you know, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying we've answered that though. You yeah. Can start recording. No, if the, if the top four tackles aren't there, yes. If they are there, no. Um, this kind of comes into the Adam Gates thing. I'll, I'll throw this to you. Uh, Tyson R- Roush, I think his name is. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's how, that's um, how you pronounce it. Okay, so T. Roush at uh, t- or 21. Um, can you explain how it's possible that I could be hammered in the upper deck and still identify Adam uh, Gates' play calls before they happen? Kyle, you want to answer that? Tyson, I think you're just being a little unfair about his offense. Sometimes it was a little predictable. Um, but... I think if you get him some of the players that he wants, he's he's a, he's a stubborn a hole, and he he wants certain players to do certain things. And I don't think even in Miami they didn't do a good job of it. And thus far with McCagnan, he he kind of he wants guys who are going to do things the way he wants, and he's looking for certain players in certain molds. I don't know if Joe Douglas is going to go full on and try to do that for Adam Gase. I don't see why he would. So maybe it won't work out. But I think if you give him players, if you get him better players overall and players that, you know, kind of fit more into what he wants to do, you'll see his offense be better. Uh, I, I think, dude, like we talked about, he was hamstrung to a certain extent. It, it's, listen, he's not the best guy in the world, but you give, let's just call him an average offensive play caller. You have an average offensive play call, the, the talent he did on the offensive line, it's, it's not going to be pretty. So, yeah, they might have to throw the ball on screens and short routes when they only have two seconds to throw the ball without the quarterback getting killed. So that's why he might have been able to predict it. But, again, I think the whole thing's overblown, to be completely honest. So, um, yeah, 17- and hold, hold some, hold some uh, hope and, like, look at, like, in terms of game planning strategies, just look at his opening drives in comparison to previous Jets years. Mm-hmm. How many opening drive touchdowns did we have? We, had like thir- we went, like, 30 games in a row without an opening drive touchdown. And we had like six or seven in a row. Yeah, the dude can game plan and stuff. I mean, I know he could be better. With I think he needs to adjust. Yeah, yes. adjust. Yeah. Okay. 
So um, 17, uh, Joe at Jets Show 73. Um, again, this is, there are a lot of repeated stuff because it's the draft. Uh, what second or third round cornerback would you be most excited about the Jets picking? Um, yeah, the only guys I've seen who are like, okay, they're supposed to be you know, either a late first or an early second or a guy who's supposed to be in the late, a, a late second round pick that I'd be excited in the third round. Uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU is a guy I've heard about a little bit. Um, Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I've seen like I've seen like a highlight film of him. He looked pretty solid, and that's about it. Like I, I'm not going to answer a lot of those questions because I, I don't watch without him. without saying anything about Gladney as a player. I, I actually haven't watched him. I know PFF supposedly high on him, but what I what I really care about is um, God. Why am I forgetting his name right now? The the head coach for TCO is one of the best defensive minds in all college football. Um, so to play for him in his defense, that says something. So you're, you know, I think at the very least you'll be getting a smart player. Okay. Um, you, when you watch the head coach on the, when they do the coaches film things, when they break down like the BCS championship games and the playoff games, he's super insightful, super, super insightful. Yeah. Um, next one. Uh, we got three more left. Um, Joe at Jets Joe 73 again. Um, he just said redundancies in the wide receiver core specifically. I was thinking, uh, I guess, Justin Jefferson and Edwards. Uh, if they were p- to pick those two guys and then Pittman or Jefferson and Edwards. So I, was just, I think you're just talking about a lot of bigger body type um, guys. Are you worried about, I guess, the mid-round guys having a lot of redundant um, skill sets? Or does it make more sense uh, to get better players overall with the lack of talent in the group, he says? Well, Justin Jefferson's not going to be there in the second round. No, he's there, not. There's no way. There is no shot of that. And then what was the other part of the question? Like, uh, I know you mentioned some He's other names. He's basically asking, are you, wor- are you worried about the redundancy in the wide receiver types in the draft? And would you kind of avoid, okay, let's say you pick a, a Van Jefferson in the fourth and you already picked Pittman in the second. Like, are you going to avoid that? Or do you think it's just, it's just the best to just get the most talented players? Minus uh, redundancy. I think to an extent, I mean, like, that matters. Like, you don't want to draft – to a, like, if you're, if, let's say you're spending a second round pick and a third round pick, do you want to draft the guy with the same exact skill set? No, but mm-hmm. you know, would you want to draft a much inferior receiver because of that? No, like you know, overall the way you grade a player matters much more than uh, diversity of their skill set. But I mean, if you're in that position, you'd probably just go to a completely different uh, position group anyway i don't know if that answers the question at all what do you want to say yeah no that, that makes sense um i'm not going to take a much much less talented player it's 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 so fluid um and i don't really know enough about these guys to comment okay well yeah maybe jefferson is a bigger guy but maybe he's a he's a much better route runner to so get open um you know in the structure of that of that offense uh better than a guy like brian edwards could who might be a little bit more of a jump ball guy so just because they're tall doesn't mean they're the same skill sets so, like i don't really have to dive into it but just get talent where you can and don't reach for okay well i already got Pittman in the second i shouldn't take a, a jefferson in in the fourth because they're both tall you know like they'll, they'll figure it out I, I wouldn't worry about that um next question it's uh i'm not gonna say it his whole name but it's sam donald the f word uh i just don't i'm not gonna so that's one of the words I try to avoid. There's very few words I try to avoid. That's one of them on the show because uh, I don't know who's listening with their kids. Uh, at Monk Munkerson is his name. Uh, Joe, if you could have your ideal dream draft of any prospect by round that are expected to go in reasonably placed, no chase young at 11, for example, how would your first four picks go? We already did this, right? Um, maybe. 
but I know yeah. you put I know you put out a seven round mock draft, so you could just read that. Yeah, no, it's listen. It, the first two rounds, it's it's really like Wills, and then having like Mims or Rager fall to two, and then, like I said, in the, in the third and fourth round, a combination of of receiver, corner, interior offensive line, edge. That's all I want. I heard something encouraging. Like apparently, apparently, teams are not as high on Mims as people in the draft Twitter world are. Um. So he could maybe potentially slide. He looked like he was good after his combine and what he did at the senior bowl. It looked like he was a lock for round one, but maybe because of a stacked receiver class and apparently for whatever reason, I don't know. In my mind, when I watch that guy, like I think he's got translatable skills to the NFL and he, he tested really well athletically too. no off the field issues. I know he's 23, but I could see him really succeeding in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think he'll be there at pick 48, but then again, I didn't, I didn't think DK Metcalf would be there at pick 60 something last year. Exactly. So I also didn't think that, what's his name? Hakeem Butler was going to be there in like the fifth round or sixth, whatever the yeah, hell that, he was. That was strange, but um, he didn't really Again, there's really a lot of stuff there. we don't see behind the scenes, but if, what if they interviewed, you know, what if I loved, let's say, let's say we love Mims and then they interviewed him and he was, he had no idea about coverages and things like that, you know? So there's always questions about that stuff behind the scenes. What is his family life like? There's a lot of things that play, come into effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, next question, uh, Mets, Jets, Knicks at Mets, Jets, Knicks. Uh, again, this is the same question. Uh, would you take any of the top four offensive tackles if available for the Jets at 11 over a wide receiver? If not, which OT would you pass on for Judy Ruggs Lamb? None. That's 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 my answer. I'm taking offensive tackle all day. Uh, I would love to take Judy in, in a world where the Jets didn't have a dire needed offensive line. That's not the case. So I'm taking an offensive lineman. Yeah, I think I'm with you too. So I, I am. we've talked about that too. Um yeah, that's 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 it, Kyle. I guess the last question. Uh Joe at Joe RB thirty one. Uh Kyle, when are you getting back into the podcasting game? <laughs> what you asked <laughs> that? Yeah, I did. I I snuck in a question. <laughs> I don't know that that's happening, man. No, but I, I know. I like I like doing it in in spots and stuff here and there. And yeah, no. Well, I will, say, I will say this: this whole um, COVID stuff and like having me work from home, I've been able to watch a little bit more film um, mm-hmm. as of lately. So uh, I've been happy with that aspect of this whole ordeal. So that's cool. So yeah, I'd like to come back on maybe in like a month or something like that after you're done breaking down a lot of the Jets draft class, and maybe we can talk more if you want. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kyle will be back. I know we'll, he'll be back to do the top 25 players of the Jets roster. We do that every year. So I know he'll be back on for that. Maybe we'll do the mailbag and, and break down some of the prospects, whatever that I'm, that I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's much more fun to do that when you know it's a certainty rather than what ifs, which at the draft at this point is a what if. Like, oh, I know. I, I would like, I think last year, like Quinn and Williams, like got like a couple hundred views before they drafted them. They draft them. They went like chop past a thousand. It's like, yeah, that, that happens. So I, I put out chase on and chase on. I said it when I was in the podcast. I'm like, nobody's going to watch this. <laughs> so I'm doing a podcast for another team. If they find them on YouTube, that's about it. So um, I gotta be honest. I didn't watch your chase on thing. Yeah. That's, the only, one I, that's the only one I didn't watch. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, hopefully you're bored. Not to say that I wouldn't, not to say I wouldn't, especially if they draft them. But yeah. So um, Kyle, any last words before we, uh, before we jump off? No, it was fun. And um, I'd like to do it again and uh, keep up the good work and um, have fun on this next podcast that you're going to. Yep. Uh, and stay like, safe. Stay safe. Yeah. I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jets talk 24 seven. I'll be on that 
after this even post. I won't be able to post this before I get on that show. So Jets Talk 24-7. It's like a mailbag type of thing, I guess, for two hours as well that I'm jumping on. Uh, Kyle, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the next time I see everybody breaking down film or talking, podcasting, whatever, minus the YouTube show I'm about to do, uh, the Jets will have their draft done. So it should be um, exciting, and we'll have Kyle back on soon. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, talk to you uh, a little bit. Thank <laughs> you.